Welcome to the Sunday edition of The Sleeper and the Bust. I'm Justin Mason without Jason Collette, who had a draft today, uh, and I didn't realize it. And so I had to make a trade last minute. I went, oh, man, season's about to start. I need to bring someone in. Let Who is my Sean Manaya? And it's Matt Williams from The Athletic. Matt, how you doing, my friend? Uh, I'm, uh, if, if I'm Sean Manaya, then I don't know what you're calling Jason Collette because the return for Sean Manaya was dreadful. <laughs> yes. Yeah. <laughs> let's, uh, let, let's say that, uh, uh, the athletic got a better, a better deal than, um, <laughs> than the A's got for Sean Manaya. We will talk about that deal and I guess why no other team seemed to want to pony up anything of note for Sean Maniac because that's like you said, that seems like just a weird return on a guy that they waited a long time. But before we do that, remind everybody where you can reach on social media uh, and then plug what you do. Uh, yeah, everyone, you can chase me down on social media, always on Twitter, M-A-T-T-W-I-7-7-I-M-S. seven seven IMS. DMs are always open. Love talking baseball. I do my Twitter threads on there. Always puts tons of nonsense in us, you know, a uh, piece of information can also find me over in the athletic. I do a lot of more in-depth player breakdowns because I'm not limited to a certain amount of characters over there. And I'll be doing some stuff over there kind of all season long. So yeah, that's uh, where you can find most of my stuff. And I also host the turn Two podcast Twitter at turn Two podcast. Make sure to sub. I have all sorts of awesome guests and uh, uh, kind of that's where uh, my platform to talk about whatever the heck I want to. Absolutely. Definitely check out the turn Two podcast. I've had some good guests on recently. Uh, I've been really enjoying them. So uh, keep that going. Been enjoying that. Let's talk some news first, and then we're going to talk about the first fab run of the year. You know, a lot of leagues are going to go on later tonight. Uh, so those of you who are listening on Sunday when we're recording this, uh, we'll, we'll try to prepare you the best we can. Had to make some last minute changes because I don't think Mackenzie Gore's making that rotation in San Diego anymore. Uh, you know, 12-man rotation. They can do it. I mean, they could. Maybe this means another trade is coming. There was talk that um, that the Padres and the Mets were trying to line up on what seemed like the, a weird mega deal. But um, let's uh, before we do that, let's Mets. let's talk. Yeah. The, the, the Mets Saturday, they, they look into trading Dominic Smith, fan favorite Dominic Smith, who probably would be the best option for DH for Eric Hosmer's partial contract and Chris Paddock. And they wanted to take all that on. And then the next day, Shaman gets traded for nothing to the Padres. A what? I mean, what? What is let's, this? Let's talk about the Shaman ideal first. Because, I mean, that's the big thing. That's what's uh, kind of broken this morning. Shaman had traded to the Padres for not much. Two kind of mid-tier prospects. I saw one of them is like the number 26 prospect in the Padres organization. Uh, this is weird on many counts one it totally jams up that Padres rotation uh there was a lot of kind of heat that uh Mackenzie Gore could make it into the Padres rotation that seems unlikely now because we're looking at probably a six man if Paddock's gonna stay in the rotation Paddock was a guy that was part of that uh, potential Mets deal like you mentioned do you think this means another deal's coming? A piece of news is coming, maybe that somebody's injured, somebody's suspended. Um, what do you make of this, and how much are you busting up Sean Manaya? 
All right. So I guess there's a lot of things to talk about. Here. Yeah. What the, I said that I, we've been making fun of the return. I do like, I'm going to brutalize the name. I apologize ahead of time. I mean, it's minor leaguers, so you don't get them a whole lot, but uh, you're a BL Angeles. I've, I've seen some of him and yeah, I do like him. Uh, but again, for this, it just seemed like a light trade. I know it's only one year. Maybe the A's are really high on him. They've done well in the rest of their trades this off season, despite the, you know, the, uh, the really sad breakdown they're doing. Um, and I really like him. Uh, he's had injury troubles, but he's been, healthy you know he was healthy last year his velocity is up he's kind of a little more removed from shoulder problems uh he was a big target of mine coming into this year so uh this is a slight bump up it's hard to know right now i would assume another trade is coming but if it doesn't and they do a six-man rotation that's certainly not a net positive uh overall but things tend to work themselves out so maybe in the end this is lateral somewhat but i do like mania uh yeah would it in terms of what I think will happen, one will probably be a trade. They need an outfielder. Everyone knows it. They were desperate enough to trade for almost Dominic Smith to actually play him in the outfield. He doesn't belong. He's like, you know, he shouldn't be out there. He's like Kyle Schwarber. Um, but I would assume that's what they're going to do. But yeah, I mean, yeah, Mike Clevenger returning. Maybe he needs more time. Blake Snell, you never know with his elbow. Again, this is not me trying to wish anything. And Joe Musgrove wore down a little bit at the end of next last year because of innings. You never know. Um, last, then they make a, they traded for, who would they trade for? They traded for somebody, um, like the day before they announced, uh, Clevenger was like injured, right? Um, was that the Darvish deal? Might've been, it might've been, they, they did something yeah. similar. They acquired someone big and they announced Darvish was, or, uh, Clevenger was, was on the shelf like immediately. So yeah, that's something, but yeah, overall, I would think that you're probably going to see some kind of news or probably a trade. Uh, coming up here. So uh, if, if this is a five man rotation, Mania up, I liked him anyway. Um, so, you know, continue to target him if you're still drafting, but uh, yeah, this uh Preller man. He's uh he, he, he never really fills the obvious hole. <laughs> Adam Frazier. I mean, he's like uh, bring over Hassan Kim just to sit him, uh, but uh, they continue to uh, bring in talent. And this was definitely a good trade for the project. Yeah. I do wonder if maybe this is like, the precursor to a Brian Reynolds deal, maybe, right? I mean, they've been they've been a team that's connected to Brian Reynolds. Um, we know that the Pirates want a lot for him, so maybe a Chris Paddock plus, you know, Luis Capizano, someone, you know, maybe uh, maybe they're intrigued by Mackenzie Gore's spring because you know the yeah. Pirates they probably won't want Paddock, right? They'll want some young, controllable, like real, like probably in the minors guys. So. Uh, yeah, I'm interested to see what they what they want because I mean, God, they're talking to the they're talking to the Marlins. I mean, like Max Meyer was like you know names like that mm-hmm. popped up, so they're shooting for the stars, right? As they should, yeah. yeah they, 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 I mean, you've got a guy who's cost controlled for the next few years and is already a star and would be an even better star leaving a park like PNC to go pretty much anywhere else. So, yeah, um, yeah I'm excited by Mania moving out of Oakland because I mean, well, as well as Oakland pit plays for pitchers, there weren't going to be a lot of wins to be had. Um, a lot uh, of runs to be scored. Yeah. So it, it was, uh, you know, the park obviously is a little bit of a downgrade going to San Diego. Um, but, uh, I think he, it's a, uh, a nice, you know, addition for his win potential being in a place like San Diego where, uh, the park's not bad. Your team, your offense behind you is going to be much better. That bullpen, in spite of the fact that they haven't named a closer, is still pretty pretty decent. So, um, yeah, I, I like the Mania move. I definitely got to move them up in my ranks. I had them a little bit lower. I haven't gotten them anywhere, I don't think, this year. Um, so maybe my, maybe my last draft, 
of the season, which is Wednesday. Uh, and for those of you who are interested, I will be live streaming that main event 10 p.m. Eastern. So for those of you on the East Coast, it's late. But I think Shelly V and Scott Chu are going to join me just to do commentary, um, at, at least until they pass out, because they I don't know that they're going to stay up that late with me. But um, So definitely check that out. You can catch that uh, on uh, Twitch, YouTube, Twitter, all the places that you could potentially be watching this stream right, right now. We are live. I just... Usually we only do the live stream portion in the uh, in the Patreon, uh, but I thought today, kind of being our opening day preview ish, and Paul and I will record on Tuesday for actually opening day preview. Uh, thought we'd just stream it out to everybody. Uh, there will be a link in the show notes for where you can get to that Patreon. We're going to be doing some cool stuff this year for our Patreon uh, guests um, or people. I don't know what you call them, Patreons. Patrons. Patrons, that, that that seemed way too easy. I, I should have should have gotten there. Um, we're gonna do an opening day uh, watch party. We're gonna watch the Mets Nationals game at one p.m. or I think it's one p.m. my time, so probably four p.m. Pacific. Um, which is well, a oh, Patrick Corbin versus bullpen game. Yeah, it's it seemed a lot sexier when we made that decision when it was supposed to be Jacob Degrom versus Patrick Corbin, and then. You know, with the Degrom news, it was supposed to be Max Scherzer with uh, versus Patrick Corbin. Now it is bullpen game versus uh, Max Scherzer. Not hopefully, as much hopefully, fun. Hopefully, you get Chris Bassett instead of the bullpen game. Yeah, there's three other games going on, so we'll be switching probably <laughs> to different games during the course of that one. But I love Patrick Corbin. I'm in on the Patrick Corbin rebound. Uh, a guy who doesn't need a rebound just needed a chance is Bobby Witt, who has made the Royals opening day lineup. Uh, people are super excited. We saw him going in the fourth round of a lot of main events. Um, I'll be interested to see now that the news is official where he goes in drafts rest of the way. What are your thoughts on Bobby Witt? Like, if you had a draft remaining, how high would you take him? And then how good of a season do you think he's going to have? I actually did a recent breakdown on him on The Athletic. If anyone wants more extensive thoughts, go there. I, I wrote mm -hmm. a ton, but long story short, I love Bobby Witt Jr., but he is a rookie. Most rookies fail by standards of fantasy managers. In real baseball, it's the, the bar is a lot lower. If you can be an everyday player, it's gold. Uh, Jared Kalenic, Brees, very recent example. Beast. He was a no Doubt beast. Guess what? Failed <laughs> miserably. So looks terrible still. Uh, I don't expect that from Bobby Witt. I mean, man, he's a special player. His dad, you know, was drafted 1986 third round or third overall pick. Witt, you know, gets drafted second overall pick. He grew up in baseball. He knows what to expect. He grew into this. He's like got an crazy work, work ethic. Um, shows up, works hard, doesn't say anything bad. Power and speed, uh, just everything you kind of want to see. But He's not Wander Franco. Um, he's not what Carlos Correa was, which was a big comp for him coming up. He didn't have that kind of plate discipline in the minors. He's more like Trevor Story was in terms of that kind of mid-20 strikeout rate, a little below 10% walk rate. And even though Story had a really successful rookie year, um, uh, you know, the strikeout rate rose to around like 30-ish percent. That's kind of what I expect um, from Bobby Witt this year. He has a lot of, I mean, out of all the things he does well, incredible power, finds the barrel. Uh, he 
will struggle with swinging miss. I think moving up to the majors, like everyone, that next level breaking stuff, that velocity at being controlled, the command, it's going to, it's going to take a while to adjust. So, um, everyone's maybe anyone hoping for like a 290, 30, 30 season, you know, may want to cap that. I kind of comped them between, um, maybe, uh, some, somewhere between like a, a Javier Baez and, um, yeah, to, yeah, something like that. Um, but I, yeah, I think maybe, maybe closer to like a two to 60 to 70, maybe 20, 20, uh, maybe like 20 home runs, 18 stolen bases, which is still great. Mm-hmm. So we probably should be going like fourth, fifth round. He's going to probably be drafted like third round for the rest of the time here. Uh, but his ceiling is immense. I mean, there's no reason they can't adjust. If he does, he could be a monster immediately. Uh, but you know, there is some, there is floor there, an incredible floor for uh, rookies. You know, when I say floor, I mean like a trap door. You never know what's going to happen again, Jared Klenick. But yeah, my expectations are uh, are pretty solid. Maybe like a Jorge Polanco um, was was, uh, was someone I was trying to think of later, like something typical like that. And that's where he's been being drafted recently in like online championships and and mains before the news where he was kind of being drafted in between those two. And I think. And I, th- I think that is more appropriate, you know, around that area. But yeah, people are going to jump the gun. You're not going to get them that late. <laughs> so I probably yeah. have them on my team. Um, you know, if you're doing like an all or nothing or an overall, you know, that, that makes some sense to try to swing for the fences. But if you're in a standalone league, you know, you got to be realistic. It's his rookie year. Yeah, I, that's probably Like, I love the idea of Bobby Witt. But he's also only eligible short to start the season. He'll get third base eligibility, which is great, right? Because third base is one of the weaker positions. Um, I just I can't pull the trigger on him as early as he has been going, much less as early as he will go. He went with the fourth or the first pick of the fourth round in my main event in Vegas to my co-host Paul Sport, and now. At the same time, he was not going to get another shot. If he wanted him, he had to take him, right? He, I, I just I can't do it that early. I, with this news, maybe I can bump him up into the fourth round. I've got the 12th pick in my main event. If he makes it to me in the fourth round, there's definitely going to be a conversation inside of my head and yeah. probably on the uh, on the live stream. I'll be yeah, that's just it. um, it's really hard in the moment because he's so exciting, but I always try to tell people, like, think about it. I brought up Javier Baez. He's going to go later than Witt. Not a lot of people are really high on Baez because he moved to Detroit, even though pull power works in Comerica. It's gaps and center that are the problem. He's not going to probably be at his very best, but there's a track record there. If you put your money, anyone with a sound mind would have to pick Baez to outperform Witt. And then you go to someone um, last year. Let's just uh, let's just go with projections. Uh, if you got 257 out of Witt, 25 home runs and nine stolen bases. That'd be an incredible, probably disappointment for anyone who drafts him. But if he ended up with anything a little above that, um, you know, you, you know, again, give him like, you know, give him like, you know, another handful of stolen bases, give him 10 more. Uh, so he's like 25 and 20. I mean, I just described Dansby Swanson. He goes so late. So you just got to see like, what am I really getting here? Probably in the rookie year. And I'm really excited. I understand the ceiling. He could be an um, unbelievable player but you just got to be real not that many people do <laughs> you know not that many people are break out uh julio rodriguez if he made the mariners plate discipline travels from from uh from level to level 
I would be very, I would be much more excited about Julio Rodriguez mm-hmm. this season than I would Wit. I think Wit will be a monster. He's built for fantasy baseball. You know, he's going to be a stud. But uh, as far as success out of the bat, out of you know, out of the box, Julio Rodriguez seems like a better bet. Yeah, I just don't think that the price reflects the potential risk. And like you mentioned, like Kelnick was the guy, like ever, including me. Like I was all over Kelnick last year. I had him on a lot of teams, uh, and that one hurt. Um, but I was only paying like a top 150 to 175 price. Like I wasn't paying a third round or fourth round pick. It just, I want to get Bobby Witt on a team. I don't think it's going to happen. It just, I mean, he's the I, ultimate I, FOMO guy. You want, if you're in multiple leagues, you want, I'm going to be kicking myself if he goes like yeah. 25, 25 this year. Um, you know, especially if it comes with like a 250, 260 batting average. I will say it's, it's, it, seems, it seems like I'm throwing cold water. I will end with this. There are certain players, and Witt is one of them, where even if they fail, um, they're, pro- I mean, short of being sent down like Kalenic, which I, again, I don't think I'm, I, I don't, I don't predict that for Witt. I think he'll be mm-hmm. fine. Uh, he will probably deliver enough in the power and speed areas to not kill you. It's kind of yeah. like why I'm fine drafting Robbie Ray this year. If he regresses, I know I'm still getting those strikeouts. You're still getting the strikeouts, yeah. It does give you a a floor of production where it's it not like a Kyle Hendricks. Yeah, he's not going to ruin like, your draft. He's not ruining yeah. you. Yeah, it's you know you're at worst you're still getting you know uh, probably a top fifteen shortstop, which seems yeah. weird to say like that has value having played fantasy baseball for twenty years because we did used to have days in which you know only the top five shortstops returned like positive value. Now we have like, like 30 that are worth, you know, worth yeah. drafting. Um, but yeah, I, I think especially being in Kansas city with his speed, like he's going to steal bases. Like even if the power isn't what we think out of the gate, because you know, Kaufman is a bigger stadium um, and he has trouble making contact. Like he's going to steal he's probably going to steal 15 to 25 bases even if he struggles. So like that's, he, he's not going to be a zero. I just, I want like the guy I'm taking in the third round to be the guy like that is really carrying my team. And I feel comfortable. It's going to carry my team to a championship, not like have like super huge bus potential. Yeah. And I will say this, uh, I guess the last thing I'll say on him, because how excited I still am, even though I'm trying to be level headed, if he bats second, it's like roster resources projecting. That's important. If he's batting at the bottom of the lineup like another rookie, big difference. If he's bat second, in my mind, in my heart, I'd be stunned if he doesn't outproduce like Carlos Correa, Corey Seager, those guys. I mean, again, he has. I've got him ranked over those guys already. Yeah, um, I mean, I would be sh- again that power and speed. I just he gives you something there. Yeah. The question is, like, do you take him over a Jazz Chisholm, a Dancy Swanson? A Wander Franco, um, I would. a Jorge Polanco. Like, I would. I'd take him over I, all those guys. I've got him behind Chisholm, Franco, and Polanco at the moment. What about Javier Baez? I, it's, it's, I actually, in the article, I put Jorge Polanco, Baez, and, um, and Wit together. I said, do you want a track record or do you want upside? It maybe depends on how you built your team or what kind of team you're building. So I have them all there together. I would definitely much rather have them than um, – then Franco this year, even though I think Franco's like a Bogarts, because again, this is fantasy baseball. If you're shooting for ceiling, I love Franco. I think his ADP is fine, mm-hmm. uh, but I definitely would much rather have him than Jazz. 
because I think there's similar skills in terms of what you're hoping to get fantasy wise, except I just think what's safer. <laughs> uh, so I, w- I would much rather have wit than jazz. I think the difference for me, because I, I, I agree, I think I'm going to move him up above those guys. Um, he will be in play for me if I haven't taken a third baseman. So if I yeah. haven't taken Machado, if I haven't taken Devers, because then I can just put in a placeholder at third base for 10 days and just fill the worst position in fantasy outside of catcher with a guy who I think has the potential to just be an absolute monster. So maybe I talk myself into it. Maybe I do take him in the third round on Wednesday. (laughs) We'll see. I don't know. Uh, My guess, someone's going to take him in the second round. Um, Yeah. I mean, yeah. If it hasn't already happened. I'd love to talk to someone who does this. I want to know, because when there was talk of like Justin Verlander going to the fourth round of main events, I didn't, I didn't poo poo the thing. I, I put it out in public. Like, what are your expectations as, as an optimist? Um, and everyone gave me their answers. And I'm like, okay, I can, I can see that. I don't agree, but I can see it. Um, that's what I want to hear from the, from the wit guys. Like in his rookie year, what are you hoping for? Two, I mean, is it two ninety thirty thirty? That's what you're hope. That's what you think he's doing, right? That's what you gotta. I mean, he's, his man already is 41. So he's already gone in the third round of drafts. Uh, I'm not going to be shocked if he goes in the second round of a draft here pretty soon. Um, it could be could be today. There, there are main events going on today. So we may look at the ADP tomorrow and be like, oh, look, somebody took him with a 27th pick. Um, but he be goes before, if he goes before Trevor's story, that's when I want to have a conversation with somebody. I'm sure he will um, at some point. Um, all right, let's uh, let's move on um, and talk about uh, the next guy, which is another rookie making his debut. Spencer Torkelson makes the Tigers. I don't think this is super surprising. There have been talk kind of uh, in the last weeks about uh, Torkelson potentially making the opening day roster. What do you think his uh, potential is for this season? I mean, it's impossible to tell. Uh, I mean, he's going to be batting at the bottom of this lineup to begin with. And if you look at how it's built, he could certainly move up. But I would I would think it's probably no no higher up than maybe skipping like Cabrera and, and Jonathan Scope and moving up to like that fifth spot is kind of his ceiling there. Um, he didn't have a whole lot to look at in the minor leagues, obviously just the one year, but he crushed it. Um, he, he But he did hit 312 a ball through 263 in double a and then triple a 238 uh, strikeout rate never got out of control 19 percent, 23 20 so uh, one would think that he's going to be kind of ready to go but again what are the expectations here the, the i've seen their um projections for him to hit 30 home runs right out of the gate and i don't see any reason why he can't it's still a tough ballpark so for where he's going i probably won't have any shares this year um it'll be one of those guys where i'm rooting for him I think he can do it. He'll be doing it on someone else's team because if you're getting what will probably be a middling average in his rookie year, um, again, 238 and AAA, I would say with adjustments, you're probably looking something in that ballpark in his rookie year, maybe 240. Uh, if you're looking for 240 and like 25 to 30 home runs at corner infield, that's not too hard to find. <laughs> um, you know, so uh, I, there's no reason that I think there's not enough reason for me to uh, reach as far as I think it'll take to get him. Yeah. Again, I sorry for cold water and everyone I'm trying to be, as, I, I understand the ceiling. It's just corner infield. Jesus Aguilar type. If, if he had retained the third base eligibility in leagues, and I don't know, like I don't play in Yahoo, 
So I don't know, like, is he third? Like, in Yahoo leagues, if he's third base eligible still, um, that yeah, could have some insane value. Yes. Um, but in leagues, and I think most leagues, he's just going to be first base only, and he's definitely not going to pick up third base in season, Candelario at third. Um, yeah, I, I tend to agree with you. Um, I definitely think he has potentially at 40 home runs. Will he? I don't know. And I, yeah, it's a hard time. It's hard to predict a a rookie to hit 40 home runs, even starting up day one. Was the last guy to hit 40 in Comerica? That's a good question. You know, I mean, it's tough. I mean, that's it's. I mean, not that many people hit 40 anyway. Uh, and again, I I I believe I do believe it's just that's difficult. I mean, once you get to the 30 ish area, I mean, you know, what do you really, Luke Voigt? Uh, in San Diego, are you telling me that you want to take, I mean, I know there's injury risk here obviously too, but I mean, there's so many guys like Voight, Telez, Aguilar that you can get for practically nothing in a standard, like 12 team league. And at the very back end for, um, you know, for 15 team leagues, it's just the last person to hit 40 home runs was Miguel Cabrera in 2013. Ah, so, Hey, it's, uh, it's, I mean, I like him. Again, like I said, I like him. First base is a very crowded position. Uh, there's there's so many other options I, w- I would probably rather go with. Uh, corner infield is a different story. If I can land him there, that'd be a good spot. But it just seems like he's going a bit too early. Rookies just get pushed up too much in general. I don't. That's why I don't go for the early ones. I, I loved his teammate. I loved where he was going in drafts, but that's out the window now. Yeah, um, we'll get to that in a sec. Torkelson's ADP right now in main events is 247. That's that's not two forty seven. Yeah, it's not and bad. It, it'll probably go up, but guys going ahead of him that I would take him over: Bobby Dahlbeck, uh, Jonathan Scope, Yuli Gurriel, Brandon Belt, Nate Lowe. Gurriel, like Gurriel, uh, he gets no respect. <laughs> I love I love Gurriel, and I actually really love Nate. No, Lowe that's no, you know what that was low. Yeah. I I assumed he was going earlier. I thought the. I thought it would look like a foregone conclusion. He was on the team. Um, and now, so now thought, that he is, now that it is, he probably yeah. goes up a good 50 picks, but if good 50 picks puts him with Ty France, Alex Kirilov. Uh, that's why I, that's why I assume he was going Rizzo. Um, yeah. So like, now, I'm, now I'm talking myself in the Torkels. I'll take that gamble there. I know. Like I'm, I'm, I'm in there. I thought he was going earlier, to be no. honest. Although I've only been in so many leagues, and I guess I've just been in a couple where there's just been a happy Spencer fan in there. And, and that's seen- all it takes, right? It just takes one person to jump yeah. someone up in a draft. So. Uh, yeah, you but mentioned- you're talking. I'm back. I'm, I'm, I'm back in. If it's that, if that was the going right. rate, I would have been in. Yeah. Uh, I, I'm I'm a little bummed that it, I don't I think I've got him in like one DC that's it uh, so maybe maybe he's a guy I target in my last draft. Uh, you mentioned um, the guy I think everybody was getting really hyped on was Riley Green hit hit two bombs I think and then broke his foot. Um, so so you know foul foul the pitch off broke his foot. It's not a displaced fracture so it does not need surgery. We're probably looking at four to eight weeks. Um, what are you doing with Riley Green? I mean, you've got to just hold him, right? I have to make this decision a couple of places. He's a rookie, mm-hmm. broke his foot, who mm-hmm. relies on speed. <laughs> I, 
uh, there's a good chance I get, I caught him. There's a good chance. Uh, it, it's, uh, it depends on what I need. I'm going to try not to, uh, he looked like a special player and again, another one that I think would have done well out of the gate. He looked like he was built to do well out of the gate. Um, the, the, the Tigers have a little bit of a crowded outfield. So, I mean, there's always, if Akil Badu is as good as I'm hoping he'll be this year, he'll be locked in. So will Grossman. Um, the only other guy out there is like Victor Reyes. So, I mean, there'll probably be a spot, you know, open no matter what, but you never know what'll happen between now and then. So it's difficult. Uh, if you have an eye out spot, this is a no brainer, but like in, in leagues with shallow benches uh, early in the season where you're probably going to be dealing with other injuries as well. Uh, it's it's just so hard to not just kind of move on because he's going to be out a while and, and the chances of him being up to speed immediately, you'd have to think are low in a year where he's already going to have to make a lot of adjustments. So yeah, it, it's, it's, it's a difficult question to answer in a, Vaguely, just because it really depends on your situation to situation, your team needs, your and your holes, and you know any injuries you're dealing with, what's available on the waiver wire. But yeah, do everything you can to hold on to him. He is really good. Uh, but the, uh, the I, I I say the chances of him coming back and being effective uh, out of the I, you know, maybe you get maybe you get like two and a half months of what you're hoping from from him. Uh, which you know again, I think I think all signs point to he probably should be cut in most formats the second you have a need to do so. Yeah. Um, I, I tend to agree. It's, it's, uh, you try to hold on to him as long as you can, because I do think he's one of those guys that is going to be a part of Fabapalooza's and people are going to go crazy for him um, if he's available, but, um, or someone will probably just scoop him in like right as soon as you drop him just to try to hold on. Oh no, no, no. Someone will. I'm just trying yeah. to make, I mean, you t- everyone heard about, how I talk about Bobby Witt. He had like a 24 ish percent strikeout rate in like triple a. I mean, um, 27% for Riley green and double a 27.6% in triple a. I mean, he's probably going to struggle. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's going to happen. So as intriguing as he is, you're already, I mean, the, there's already risk. Yeah. yeah, there was there's a lot going against him now. So I mean, what are you realistically holding? So you just gotta be like, all right, what are you what are you hoping for when he comes back? I mean, you're maybe a 230, 240 average, 250 at, at best, and then you gotta worry about that speed. So if the speed is cut in half the rest of the season from you know, you know, as far as um you're trying to extrapolate what he's gonna do. He's already in a park that is not the best for probably his kind of power. Uh it's yeah, it's rough. Uh, so yeah, it's you, you try to hold on to him, but it's probably a mistake. It's probably a mistake. Yeah, because I mean, the, these injuries can always be reaggravated, and you may may hold on to him for six weeks, and then all of a sudden, it's it's another month. Um, I'm, I'm yeah. I was yes. really excited. Foot, uh, foot surge, foot injuries with no surgery equals a foot that's not healed. <laughs> if you you yeah. know if you don't wait long enough, and oftentimes teams don't. Or they will, which is still bad. I mean, maybe they really take it easy with him. They put him back in the minors, really take it easy, ease him in, make sure he's okay, which is probably the smart bet. Um, there's there's a lot of routes to him not being valuable at all. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, someone who is valuable, but we don't know how valuable is going to be now. Um, Lance Lynn left to start with right knee discomfort. Uh, this is a bummer for me. I've got Lynn in a few spots, um, less spots than I thought I had him in. Um, he was an early draft target for me. Um, and then I apparently just never drafted him again for, for a while. But, um, 
how worried about Lance Lynn are you right now? And if you've got a draft coming up, um, we don't, we don't, there's no update. At least I have not seen an update on, on what it is, but uh, would you be willing to take a gamble on him at a reduced price? I would. Uh, he's, he's a vet. He knows how to deal with certain things uh, that he's probably dealt with some things before. It's not like his plant leg, like, you know, as a right-hander, it's not the one that he's like pushing off on to generate his power. But obviously it's still, you know, part, he's a big, he's a bigger dude and, you know, you need everything uh, to be in sync or otherwise you end up overcompensating for stuff. And then you injure on you know, something, you injure your shoulder or your elbow or something. Uh, Lynn's not stupid enough to, um, I think, come back too early. I think he'll take his time with this. It doesn't look like anything that's too serious. So yeah, I, I, he's definitely a prime target. I think where you wait it out and you could probably get him in a nice discount. So uh, you definitely want a discount, but I wouldn't shy away from taking him. I don't think, cause this doesn't seem like it should be something that should affect him. Like when he's back, he should be fine. Yeah. I mean, it's not an arm issue. So I know there's been a lot of people like, Oh, he's He's going to break down. He's going to break down. I don't think this is what they were necessarily thinking. And I, I, I don't necessarily agree with a lot of people who thought he, uh, he'd break down. Um, this is unfortunate. I, you know, I, I'd like to have a little bit more information. I'm sure I will by the time Wednesday rolls around for me. Uh, but for those of you who are drafting, you know, today, um, on Sunday or, or maybe on Monday, uh, you know, I, I think it's a worthy gamble. I think I, I take this gamble over the other gambles I see people taking with sale and, uh, Flaherty and McCullers and, and now to Crom. So I, I think there's a much better chance that he's back a lot quicker. I and mean, maybe this turns out to be nothing like, you know, Hey, you have a sore knee, but he ends up being fine. You, you get a steal, you know, four or five rounds after where he was going initially. So, yeah, then uh, this yeah. is, this is nothing that ties into his uh, mechanics or how yeah. he's going to perform. Like, yeah, this is something that's I think, I mean, I know it's his knee, so it's not mm -hmm. like nothing, but it's like, nothing is. Yeah. Try to think of it as like, yeah, an injury that he is preventing him from being on the field, but it's not an injury that's going to prevent him from performing. Well, it's not like not a part of the machine. <laughs> You know, that, uh, that, yeah, I, I don't think this is like an ACL thing, like, right? Like, this doesn't seem like that yeah. kind of injury. So, yeah, think about the car, your car, the end, nothing's wrong with the engine, like the hubcap fell off. You know, I mean, you know, you, you want to get it fixed, but it's mm -hmm. not like a huge issue. Yeah, I, I agree. Um, Craig Kimbrell was traded to the Dodgers earlier this week, which just sent off, um, kind of a flurry of tweets where okay. people were, um, uh, grading the 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 uh, the strategy of drafting him, drafting Blake Trinan, uh, and all that jazz. I, I think that's silly, but you know, I, I mean, I think at this this late in the season or draft season, like I, I felt like Trinan was now somewhat safe. I mean, obviously the Dodgers had said like, you know, he's not going to be the only guy, but he was also the most talented guy in that bullpen. So like, I don't fault anybody for drafting. Trying and even though I didn't, um, some people got some amazing steals on Kimbrel late. Though I know Dave McDonald, our buddy, uh, got Kimbrel in the twenty-third round of his main event in Vegas. Um, that's a steal. I I had drafted Kimbrel for six dollars in Tout Wars and then probably traded him for, to Brent Hershey for Shane McClanahan. Uh, the like literally the minute after he was traded, I, I just threw it out to my ladies like, "Hey, who wants him?" Um, what are your expectations on Kimbrel? Because I've seen some people be like, he's a top five closer now. And then I've seen other people be like, he still may not be good. So where do you stand on Kimbrel? Um, 
And uh, yeah, I guess that's, I mean, we don't really need to talk about Trinan, right? Trinan's kind of useless now. Yeah. Um, yeah. I was lucky to get Kimbrel. I got him like two, three bucks in labor again, just a, a flyer. And, and going back to what you're saying about like the kind of the victory laps of, of judgment, they are, they're stupid. No one knows yeah. me and Justin are fantasy baseball experts for anyone listening. I'm doing the air quotes. Um, no one knows anything. <laughs> there's a reason there's a premium on early closers because they are elite in terms of ratios and strikeouts and they have a job. Everyone else, there's a question mark. There's a question mark with Gian Gallegos, who's Paul Spore obviously loves the beat reporters and the manager of command said he may not be the guy, but Spore knows he's a great pitcher. He thinks he'll get the lion's share, but he knows the risk. Uh, Craig Kimbrell, everyone probably thought he'd be traded. Didn't know it. There was a risk. Blake Trainin looked like he'd be the closer if Kenley didn't come back. And uh, that was a risk everyone took on. People took Will Smith. I wasn't on board just because I don't like the pitcher, but everyone... He looked like the closer and no one thought Kenley Jansen was, it's all, you knew everyone was gambling with the same information. The Will Smith one just was a dagger to my heart right there. But like, it's like you pick your spot, you know, the information, you take your guesses. No one knows anything. It doesn't make your process right or wrong. It could have gone either way. And you, you build your team based on the information, you know, and the risk you're willing to take, you know, it's a risk for a reason. It's a, it's not a guarantee to pay off. Um, so yeah, that's, uh, I do believe Craig Kimbrell should be considered a top five closer going forward. I am not someone who subscribes to the fact that he was bad with the white Sox. I think it's different. I, I see people like Buster only throwing out the, this is how he was with, you know, certainly, you know, he, this is how he was with the Cubs. This is how he was with the white Sox. No, in my opinion, this is how he was in the ninth inning. This is how he was in the eighth inning. He hates pitching in the eighth inning. So does guys like Edwin Diaz. You put him out there without the adrenaline or whatever the heck makes them work in the ninth inning. And it just is a different thing. Some people don't think, oh, what's the difference? It's in late in games. There's a difference. Just look. Some people just can't do it. And he hates pitching in the eighth. And that's why the White Sox did not want to keep him because uh, he was worthless in the eighth inning, in my opinion. So I think he'll be fine. He got roughed up badly. In his first yeah, outing for by, by my oh, Giants, yeah. Oh, bad. But I think he'll be fine. Again, remember, um, even really bad closers can rack up a lot of saves. So even if you're not getting vintage Craig Kimbrell or first half Craig Kimbrell, man, all he has to do is go out there and be okay. He's going to get like 70 save chances. <laughs> it's the Dodgers. And, I mean, like, I think people have forgotten, like, it wasn't like Kenley Jansen who's been great in LA the last couple of years. Right. And, and Dave Roberts stuck with him. Like that was the guy they just stuck with. Um, now when the, when the games really matter at the end of a season or in the playoffs, they, it mattered a little bit less. Right. Um, but he was still yeah, able right, to yeah, regular season. It's part of the machine, yeah. right? Yeah. Hey, he he look at all these up. arms that they have in LA. They have a, they had one of the best bullpens in baseball without a closer. Yeah. And, and Dave Roberts would not commit to anyone. He said mm-hmm. he was pretty consistent that he was going to be like a committee of sorts. Everyone assumed it would still be led by Trinan, but Kimber comes in and he just immediately Kimber's the closer. He just named him immediately. So, I mean, that's kind of all you need to know and looking at his track record. I mean, he's the, he's the closer for arguably the best team in baseball. Um, I don't know how many saves that'll equal, but we know how many save opportunities that could equal and kind of regardless of who you are, like here, throw Kimberl away. Put Mark Melanson here. Every no one knows what Kim Kimberl will be. We know what Mark Melanson's going to be. How highly drafted would Melanson be if he were the closer named on the Dodgers? 
Like, and he's not even good. Top five or six. Yeah. I <laughs> yeah. Mean, I mean, that's kind of all you need to know. Think about is this guy was named the closer of the Dodgers question mark. You don't even know who it is. Yeah. Well, actually, how hard does he get drafted? You don't know who it is. It's a quite, it's, it's a silhouette with a question mark. Name the closer of the Dodgers by Dave Roberts. You don't even know who it is. How highly does he get drafted in the main event? I mean, he's probably a fourth round pick. Yeah. So I mean, back off Kimber a little bit because it's the job, <laughs> you know, like I put him at sixth in, in my race. Um, Liam Hendricks, hater, Rossi Iglesias, Classe Diaz. Um, and I think people can make their arguments whether they rather have Kimber or Diaz, but I think those five are the safest closers in baseball. Um, the next tier of guys all guys that have some sort of war or question mark, right? Like Chapman's safe, but he's also seen some real skills drop. Ryan Presley is safe, but he also has Hector Neris winning the wings and is dealing with reduced velocity right now. Um, uh, Kenley Jansen, we just said, like he has not pitched well, and will the the Braves stick with him if he struggles, considering they have Will... Smith, who's been great. Um, you know, Jordan Romano is dealing with an ankle issue. I think they wanted someone else to come in and take that role, but they couldn't get his buddy assigned there, apparently, or trade for anybody. Like, I, I, like, why Kimbrell didn't end up in Toronto is beyond me. Um, you know, like, there's like all those guys have questions. So, like, I'll take the questions on the Dodgers as opposed to the questions on any other team. Dodgers yes. are probably the the best team on paper that we've seen in the last five or six years. Like I can, I, and there's a, and again, I'm not, you pick your strategy, you roll with it. Like I said earlier, there's pros and cons. It can work your way. It can work another way. Never injuries can happen. To anyone. I understand if you want to wait, but again, those question marks amount. I mean, how many, there's honestly two guys late, late that I feel comfortable drafting. And I'm done drafting, so I'm just, I can just tell you, everyone. I love Taylor Rogers, which a lot of people did on the Twins. And I like Andrew Kittredge, which I know the Rays, people will yeah. fall out of the sky and get save chances. But he was literally going at the very back of the pack. Peter Fairbanks is already injured. Um, so as far as waiting, those were kind of my two favorite guys. Not exactly like, you know, anything you can hang your hat on. Taylor Rogers could be traded. I like, Taylor, I like Taylor Rogers a lot. Now, I mean, I don't the moves that Minnesota made, like, I don't, why would they trade him now? Like, I mean, no, no, they they should, completely they, fall they out of it. like, yeah, no, that was I, this, I guess it was more like, you know, early mm-hmm. I've been drafting because there were, yeah, I had a lot of questions on whether or not he was going to be on this team come out of opening yeah. day. But now, uh, TPH, uh, in the, in the, uh, chat on Twitch saying Presley was apparently sitting at 92 last year, uh, during spring was fine. Uh, yeah, I, I know that, but anytime you see reduced velocity, still just scares me a little bit. Um, and I think for, for good reason, I think if you draft Presley, you just handcuff Hector Neris in one of the last three or four rounds, like just, just to be safe. Um, because I think we'll know pretty quickly and just into the season who they're going with. I believe fully believe in handcuffing in both fab and non-fab and DCs. Yep. It's a no brainer. Cause you have 750 yep. picks and in waivers, if it works out. You cut the other guy. No big deal. Absolutely. Um, moving right along, we have, uh, Alex Kirloff left yesterday's game with an injury. Um, I don't, I don't, I haven't seen an update. It's not a wrist thing. I believe it's a leg, uh, issue. 
I've been kind of out on Kirilov this draft season. I thought I was going to be in, honestly, early when I did my ranks uh, initially back in like August, September of, of you know last year. Um, I was all like, oh, I think we're going to get a really nice discount. There's been no real discount on Alex Kirilov. You buy it at all? I am. Um, I always liked him, though, so I'm a sucker. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is just one of my guys. I just... You know, I'm just in, <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm in until he, he devastates me just one too many times. <laughs> uh, it's a, it's a very good lineup to be in right now. I think that the they, roster resource has car has, as Luis Arias batting cleanup. So no fifth, I think there's plenty of opportunity to move up in this lineup. And I think Kirilov will, I think if healthy, he can, he can certainly hit 25 to 30 plus home runs and he's available in outfield and first base and late in drafts. When outfield starts to thin and you need like a corner infield guy too, I love having him available as like back of the top of the bench, back of the starters. So he's just kind of like a outfield first is a nice flexibility I like to have. So yeah, I've been taking him. Um, there's yeah, there's certain risks there, but again, it's it's one of those guys you can if he gets injured you can probably flip him out easy enough. So I, I, I do like the upside there. I, I think that rather than wait until that next year we were talking about, like the Rowdy Telezes of the world, uh, I think it's worth maybe securing a guy with that kind of upside. I like him. I like Nate Lowe, I actually like quite a bit this year. I like him a lot. And, of course, I love Dalbeck, but, you know, hmm. it's a grab bag, you know. Uh, you don't know. You just keep turning the jack in the box. Eventually, he's going to jump out and scare you. Um, but uh, <laughs> the, uh, I, I think Kirilov's as good as option as any in that kind of area. Yeah, I, I just prefer other guys. Um, and now we're dealing with, you know, him coming off the wrist injury last year, coming off the knee injury, or I think it's a knee issue uh, right now, knee or hamstring, can't remember. Yeah, knee is rust or knee. Yeah. Oh, no, I, this, was my, this was my story ahead of time. Uh, if I'm drafting today, yeah, I'm probably going to let go. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, if, if you've already drafted him, you're holding. I think I've got him in one early DC. Um, uh, update uh, on the Padres situation. Uh Mike Clevenger will start the year on the IL due to knee soreness. Um, so good go. news, it's not an arm issue coming off of the Tommy John. Uh, bad news is it's something else, which isn't good either. But, I mean, I guess at least it's I mean, it's similar, I guess, to the Lance Lynn thing. I was already out on Clevenger. This just puts me further out. Um, yeah, I... Who knows how serious this is? Um, I you're just telling me for the first time. Could be yeah, I literally it just be, saw it. Could be a general soreness thing where mm-hmm. he's working back. He's not quite ready. We're putting him on the DL with something that doesn't sound scary. Um, so that that might just be something like that. Uh, but they did acquire a pretty good pitcher, so you don't know that. That scares me because like, it's not like they went out and signed uh, a Rich Hill type veteran. Not that he was available or anything, but I'm just trying to think of a level uh they didn't go out there and acquire a, a stopper they acquired they acquired an all-star uh so um and yeah the this kind of news makes me want to draft mackenzie gore more i think mackenzie gore is going to go like really really late in drafts today um so and probably really really cheap in fab today we'll, we'll get to fab here in a second uh, so uh, maybe, maybe you could get a pretty nice discount. I know he's available in, in a number of my fab leagues. So uh, Max Scherzer dealing with a hamstring issue uh, seems questionable at best for opening day. Uh, Mets might roll out a bullpen game. Um, like I think you mentioned, or maybe we talked about this one off there. How worried about Max Scherzer are you? If, I mean, obviously you're not dropping and you can't drop a guy like that, 
but let's say you're drafting here in the next few days uh how high would you be willing to take him he's gone as early as i think like 12th in the main event i wouldn't let him slip too far past that to be honest um I think that there's a definitive drop-off from the tier A of closers. And Max Scherzer has even come out and said that he is, you know, he's been around a long time. He knows how his body feels. It's the beginning of the season. It's not a hamstring injury. He just felt a little something and he knows how these can develop. He wanted to just shut it down. Mm-hmm. It just happens to be bad timing and optically missing opening day just seems bad, especially on the piggybacking off of the Jacob deGrom news on the same team. But I don't think this is a big deal at all. I think he's going to wait the appropriate amount of time, make sure this is a non-issue, and get right back out there. So, yeah, I probably wouldn't be reaching for him. But if he were to somehow make it to the you know back end of that second round, I'd be I would be pretty ecstatic to scoop him up. Uh, so that would be kind of as far as I'd let him roll because I I don't think this is a big deal. Uh, Degrom, as a, again, this is as a Mets fan. Degrom, I'm not drafting. Period. Uh, I, I, it, mystery relevant maybe is the last guy. Uh, but other than that, I mean, no, thank you with no IL spots. I no, uh, no, I uh, can't do it, but Scherzer, I, I, I really believe this is nothing. Yeah. I'm not super worried about Scherzer. You know, like I said, I'm, I'm drafting pick 12 in, in the main. So what is that? Um, pick 19 in, uh, in the second round, if he's there at 19, I'm going to be, he's going to be in play for me. Kind of depends on if I take a picture in the first round or not, but like I have no problem starting off with him at, at pick, you know, nineteen for me uh, in in the second round. So um, it's kind of nice to have a veteran like you know he he that he knows his body so much he's dealt with these kind of things before mm-hmm. and he's taken the appropriate amount of time off. You want that? You don't want a guy to go out there and push through it and like miss tons of time. He, at his age, it's kind of good that he kind of knows, like, all right, I should probably give a little time. It's, mm-hmm. I, I mean, it's kind of a positive. Uh, not that yeah. it sounds like one, but uh, I mean, it's better. That, it's better than not knowing. Even if he misses a starter too, like I'm just not that worried. Like you know, yeah. just that's fine. Um, all right, uh, let's uh, let's talk about some fab guys. Um, this is going to be a big fab run for those who have already drafted. There's been a lot of news that's come out the last few days. Um, so uh matt brash makes the opening day or not the open he's not going to start on opening day but he makes the rotation for the mariners how uh how aggressive would you be on matt brash would you be brash oh we're just we're we're talking like a 15 team standard here yeah yeah 15 team 12 team would does he does he even come into play in a 12 team league for you yes absolutely uh uh this is the perfect guy kind of guy I want on my team. I probably might've even have drafted him um, mm-hmm. towards the end here because uh, you want that high upside. You want to see what he got out of the gate. If he stinks. You move on, but you don't want to like, you don't want to have the boring, you don't want to have like, you know, Zach Plesak on your bench at the back of a 12, hoping he turns in a good whip. You want a couple of lottery tickets. You see how they do. Um, you know, you want, you want, I think you want something like that, you, you know, and you want that in 15 teams to a degree, but there you want to make sure that, you know, you want, you have innings and you, you, it's a more of a bare waiver wire, but still he made the rotation. So uh, yeah, in, in any format, I want him 15 team teams. I definitely want to be really aggressive. I mean, this guy was a strikeout machine, at every single level in the minors, uh, rookie A, uh, high A, double A, just uh, looked great. Never pitched at the triple A level, but again, dominated in spring training, which is a de facto kind of triple A level. Uh, it's a good ballpark. It's a good lineup. So, yeah, I'm, I'm all in here because I think Mac Brash is someone that 
He was my uh, like my dark horse um, rookie of the year pick. I put out mm-hmm. like a week ago. Uh, so yeah, I'm I'm on board here because you could be looking at like a you know a thirty percent strikeout rate like out of the gate. He just walks a few people, but you know that's rookie, so he's gonna have his issues. But again, it's a it's a good division, good ballpark to kind of have the issues that he does. Yeah, I think he was uh, Eno Saris's uh, dark horse rookie of the year candidate. Um, uh, when we did episode 1000 uh, a few weeks back, so more than a few weeks back, I guess now. Um, so yeah, uh, I'm I'm very very interested. Um, I don't think I'm putting 50 bucks on him or anything like that in Fab leagues, but you know maybe like mid 20s, something like that in a thousand dollar Fab league. I think um, you need 50 to get him. I think I don't know that I'm good because it only needs no. I'm not saying whether you should. I think this definitely depends because there'll be someone who lost to Grom. Um, there'll yeah. be someone who's looking for upside that just needs it, who failed in the draft. And this is lost Chris Sale. I mean, if you're looking at again 30% ish strikeout rate, maybe with a high ground ball rate. I mean, as far as rookies go, he's got the skills to kind of limit the horribleness that, you know, he's not going to have a huge home run problem. I think it's a solid, if you're looking for a home run swing in fab, it's not a bad one for Fabapalooza, you know? Yeah. I think I might be more aggressive in a league, like in, uh, in Barf. I lost, uh, Lance Lynn and Chris sale since we drafted. Oh, yeah. yeah. So maybe I'm more aggressive in a place like that. I also lost Will Smith as my closer. That team is pretty effed. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, it's just, but yeah, I don't think I, I agree that that most teams probably shouldn't do that. But if you're if you want to acquire them, I think that's the neighborhood you're going to have to be in. Yeah, I, I can see that. Um, next guy on the list is Stephen Kwan makes the Guardians um, all off season or draft season. I've been saying, you know, who could be the next. Uh, Cedric Mullins is Bradley Zimmer. Bradley Zimmer. He's my one of my most. I think he's my most rostered hitter um, in leagues. Bradley Zimmer looks atrocious in spring, like like really really bad. Like um, like I think there's a real chance he's out of options. I think there's a real chance he gets DFA'd. Uh, and Stephen Kwan making the team makes me think maybe I had the right team but the wrong guy. Stephen Kwan looks really, really good, has not struck out a single time in spring training, uh, at least last I checked, which was yesterday, so unless he struck out at some point today already. Um, how aggressive would you be on Stephen Kwan? Not really. I I understand what people see. He's got a good hit tool in terms of like batting average. He looks like he'll probably be decent out of the gate. Power and speed, but like not an incredible amount. I think there's um, more power in that bat than you think. No, there could be. There could be. Uh, it's hard to gauge because, again, there, there could be someone that's just more excited to me because when I look at him, he looks like um, maybe a Brandon Nimmo with less on base or he could be like a Brett Gardner with a better batting average. That would be good. Uh, <laughs> Brett Gardner with a nicer batting average would be pretty solid. Uh, so, yeah, it could be okay. I, I kind of – my expectations – are that he falls short of like Robbie Grossman type production uh, as far as overall, uh, which is still good. I mean, people reach for him and like Andrew Benintendi. So uh, if you could, you know, if you could acquire either of them in fab, you would. So mm-hmm. yeah, I, I would, it's just, he's, he's kind of a death by a thousand paper cuts guy, which I like where he doesn't maybe, he's not going to maybe stand out in any particular area, but maybe just do well across the board. 
but he's going to bat at the probably at the bottom of the lineup and there's no guarantee he keeps the job. So I just don't want to go overboard. Um, so as far as a bid goes, it, it, again, it depends. It depends on the first, the first fab of the year. It depends on what everyone has lost. If someone happens to have Riley green and Michael Conforto and you know, they really need someone, then they're, they're, they're probably going to put a few extra bucks here. Um, but, uh, Kwan, he's okay. Cause you know what? Here's the thing. We're not going to talk about a couple of these guys. Guys seen the notes, uh, depending on how early you draft Tommy Pham and 12 teams might not have been drafted. Randall Grichek might not have been drafted in 15 teams. They obviously were. Uh, so in 12 teams, it's completely different, but yeah, just, I don't, what are your thoughts? Cause uh, you just, you, uh, you came out right and said, you, th- you think there's more power in that bat. You think there's more power in that bat is rookie year. Like what are you, what are your expectations here? Cause Projection sting in the ball, and the I saw some of the stat, stat gas numbers on him in the minor leagues, um, yeah. and they're actually pretty enticing. Like I, I think there's legit twenty plus homers in this bat, um, and maybe it's twenty five plus uh, with you know ten plus stolen bases, and um, I think he makes good enough contact to hit like two sixty, two seventy, like. I think he can I, hit harder than that. I actually, I actually yeah. do the batting average. I think he's 280 plus this year. I yeah, see that I, I, I try to be conservative with the batting average because you just never know. You know, I mean, I don't care how good you've been in AAA. Like, you, you've never seen major league pitching until you've seen major league pitching. Yeah, um, I mean, I mean, for, for for everyone not familiar with Quan, though, I mean, we're talking about his hit tool so much. It last year, Double uh, A, 10 percent K rate. Triple A, 6.7. Um, in a double digit K ray. I mean, the contact is there. And like you said, if and I like to bet on those guys because especially, yes, yeah. hum- you know, I mean, with the way that MLB likes to liven up balls, there's humidors in every park now. Um, like you want to bet on the hit tool and the contact skills over the guys who like have none of that, but a ton of power in the bat, right? Because if the ball's flying like it sometimes does, and we never know year to year until it happens, right? Um, the contact guys are the ones that get the biggest boots, right? Like this is why Brian Reynolds like turned into being like a really good player after like people being like, Oh, he's not a very good prospect. Um, so like, I think Quan's one of those guys. Uh, I think I, I'm going to get aggressive in the spots where he's available. And by, by aggressive, I'm saying like, 40, 50 bucks um, in a thousand dollar fab. Um, because uh, some someone, uh, Simon in, in the chat's asking, would Quan need Zimmer to be DFA to get a to get full time at bats? I don't think he even needs that. No, like, no, this is good. I mean, for for, for uh, who, who got injured? Um, the guy with the like, <laughs> uh, Josh um, Naylor starting the yeah, year. Josh Naylor, yeah, being out, this is great for Quan because it was never going to be about, um, the time it would just be the opportunity. Now he has the opportunity. If he hits, he's in. Um, no one's yeah. taking his job. Uh, I mean, and, he, he's battling with Oscar Mercado and Bradley Zimmer right now. I, I think you're right. I mean, if you're looking for an outfielder, I think you're. I think the spot you're looking for, like bidding the fifty, is 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 a good area because, I mean, I I believe in the I believe in the hit tool, and if his power and speed are just kind of there to a, a modest degree, you can be looking at like a better version of Trent Grisham. Mm-hmm. Kind of. Um, I mean, I said Brett Gardner earlier. It's kind of the same thing. Uh, but um, Harris, I mean, people pay up for like Harrison Bader. I mentioned Ben Intendi earlier. I think that's kind of like, yeah, the, the bait. I mean, Grisham goes earlier, but I think like Bader, Ben Intendi, 
uh, Grossman. I mean, if you're in on those players, imagine if they were available in fab um, and how much would you spend for them? I think that's kind of maybe you want to maybe not go that crazy, but that's the kind of the expectation if he keeps the job. So yeah. I can see spending that, but there's a lot of risks. I mean, I probably cap it at like 30. Uh, so we're kind of reversed on okay. uh, the first two players we talked about. So, cause I, I believe what you're saying. It's just, you know, it's just, um, you're paying, you're paying. It's a, it's a lot. It's it a is lot. a lot, but I mean, you're also playing for a full season's worth of plate appearances potentially. Right. You sure. That's so, why I hate the first week. Of- <laughs> I, like- hate, I hate being in the position where you have to overpay for these guys. And, and there's always someone who's going to need them more than you more than likely. And um, and that, that happens. But like, I mean, we see this when guys like if Stephen Kwan was coming up, you know, May 1st, people, you're going to see some people drop, two three hundred bucks on true true that's also so like why not pay sixty dollars right now and get you know a whole month's extra worth of plate appearances potentially and not have to pay 200 bucks later on for somebody else because they're going to be guys that come up for for these fabapaloozas after you know the three four weeks that teams have to wait until they get the extra year of service time i'd rather pay 60 bucks now and hope that Stephen kwan is just as good, if not better, than the guys that people are going to pay two hundred bucks for later. Yeah, you know what? It's like you're almost talking to me into it because now I'm thinking the name that popped in my head now is Ramon Laureano and how much people pay for him, knowing he's not going to play for a month. Yeah, and I kind of can I, I kind of can expect a, um a you know maybe not as much power, but similar enough with a much better batting average with Quan. So you're kind of you're kind of converting me here, um, and now I may be putting in a couple extra bucks on my bids. Yeah, I, I, I'm gonna put. I'm actually gonna add some. We're <laughs> <laughs> uh-huh. talking. I'm like, it's almost uh-huh. like what, the gif of that woman who drank the tea. Like, eh, like that. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's on, on Quan. I'm, I'm in now. I'm, I'm more. I'm more in. I, I smartly um, handcuffed Quan to Zimmer in, in, a, in a couple leagues. Um, like I said, I, I'm, I'm gonna hold on to Zimmer until we see news because he, he may not get DFA'd until uh nailers ready to go but um i think there's a real shot that that zimmer could get dfa here which is a bummer i've been a huge zimmer guy for a long time people know i, I watched him play in college i mean that's how long i've you know been a fan of zimmer so he just cannot he, he just cannot make contact and that's i'm all in on Quan now now i'm, I'm in my wheels are turning and mm-hmm. i i maybe didn't give him a serious enough look as i could now that he has a legitimate option in I mean, right now, I'm looking at their lineup. They're moving Rosario yeah. to the outfield, and I believe in him, and I think he could be good. But we know how are much they moving Rosario to the outfield? That well, they, I'm sorry, they begin him some uh, some reps. Oh, okay. um, some reps there, and uh, you know how much they might move some people around. And we know Rosario can suffer sometimes in the first half. And I believe Quan's hit till is good enough to hit out of the gate. I mean, yeah, I mean, I could see him working his way to this two hole. You yeah. know, uh, he would be a good guy to hit there behind Straw in front of J Ram. Um, I like it. Right like now, it. Ross Restores hasn't been in six. I'd be fine with six. I'd love second. Um, next on the list is Reed Detmers makes the rotation. There are some real Reed Detmers stands in the industry. He's available in a number of leagues, uh, especially if you drafted earlier uh, in draft season. Where are you at on Reed Detmers? I'm everywhere. Um, every, like He's one of my uh, highest, most rostered players. And across all draft champions, he's definitely a guy I try to add to my bench in uh in all fab um so i i luckily don't have to be bidding for him this time it's uh i mean last year uh 
across the board. He, you know, it doesn't look too good in the major league, seven, four ERA, six, three, six, FIP. He started at double a again last year. It was his first professional ball. He went right into double a triple a in the majors in his very first year. Uh, so I mean, how impressive do you want him to be in, in, double a, he had a 16, one, seven K per nine moved to triple a 12.38 in the majors, 8.27. So he struggled a little bit more when he moved up and that's naturally what should occur. You look into his game log, it's, he had a couple of really rough starts to start. At Oakland, his first start, four and a third, six earned. Five innings, five earned. His second start at Los Angeles. His third start versus Houston, six innings, one earned, six strikeouts. And he looked pretty strong the rest of the way, and he just had some like ups and downs. He looked really strong this spring. Tons of, uh, tons of like, kind of like, you know, prospect pedigree behind him. So, uh, six man rotation should keep him kind of like fresh as well, even though that's a detriment to some people. I think in his particular case, uh, it'll kind of keep him fresh. Um, you know, it's nothing where they have to manage his innings and pull him from games early, which is from fantasy. You actually hate that. You'd rather them leave him in the game more and just shut him down. So I think the six man helps him there. So yeah, Reed Detmers, I'm, uh, I'm in. If I didn't have him, he would definitely be probably at the top of my list to acquire because there's obviously been a lot of people added to rotations. Uh, but as far as people that weren't drafted, um, Detmers is probably at the very top. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I'm maybe I'm biased because uh, he's been one of he's one of my guys, too. Uh, so I am part of that that clan that you said is like really high on him. But there's a reason. There's a reason. So, um, yeah, I'm, I'm excited about Reed Detmers. Only 22 years old. Lefty. Sometimes they take a little longer. So, I mean, you know, if you develop early, it could be it could be special. Um, this is like a huge bummer for me because I felt like I was the high man on Reed Detmers coming into draft season. So we're talking about like in October, right? Yep. And then everybody in the industry passed me, and I'm sitting back here with no Reed Detmers shares <laughs> and going like, "What happened? I liked Reed Detmers. Like I thought, and nobody seemed to be on him in October and November, and all of a sudden." Like everybody's like, Reed Detmers, Reed Detmers. And now I can't, I, I didn't get him anywhere, um, which is just a huge bummer for me. I mean, I'll def- he's definitely a guy I'll be looking to target late uh, in, in my main event, but like, I don't know how late he's going to go. Like, I'm really. I, yeah, I think, I, I think people looked at the rotation. They saw it was going to be six men, mm-hmm. and they saw, they, and at the very top, you see Otani and Sandoval. And then they bring in Cindergard, who you have no idea what to expect. And then yep. you see other names like Jose Suarez, Michael Lorenzen. And everyone's like, all right, Detmers looked good at the end of last year. And you're, you know, and, and then as spring progresses, obviously it just continues to go up. But I think it just looked like it was just a sure thing he was going to get an opportunity. And and everyone was just kind of jumping on board there. Um, and it just kind of snowballed. But um the it's it's funny, it's being built off of virtually no track record whatsoever. Uh, yeah. he, could, he could be a massive bust, um, but would you know, rather I, have Detmers or Matt Brash? Who Brash? Brash. I think, uh, I think I agree. Yeah, the uh, I mean, he dominated a couple of different levels. Uh, Detmers, we we are kind of projecting success on him. Brash, mm-hmm. we've seen it. Um, of course, we haven't seen him struggle at the major league level, which is a reason why most people get discounted. Uh, Brash, uh, and he's he's dominating in spring training too. So, yeah, I'll go with I'll go with Brash there. But um, yeah, Detmers, uh, I'm, I'm pretty I'm pretty I'm pretty high on Detmers as well. Um, yeah, he's one of those guys that uh, uh, I think I think it was Mike Curland um, tweeted out like, "Who are the guys you have FOMO on?" Right, mm-hmm. Reed Detmers is 
is this guy that I'm going to be watching from the sideline, just kicking myself for not getting as aggressive as other people did, even though I thought I was being aggressive on him early. So, um, Bryson Stott could be the shortstop in Philadelphia. This is another uh, Rob DiPietro guy, uh, our, our buddy Rob. Um, I didn't think there was any chance he was going to make the opening day roster initially. I really thought Philadelphia would be a team in on story or Correa. They are not, and maybe it's because they felt that comfortable with Bryson Stott, who's also been taking some reps at third base. Would you get aggressive on Bryson Stott? Uh, no. Um, I, I, I would, I would be interested. I don't think, I think it's a deep enough, uh, middle infield is certainly deep enough to, um, is, is, is deep enough where you don't have to reach on anyone. And there's still late options like, uh, Carlos Pena is still there, even though he's being bumped up. Uh, so I don't see a particular reason. Jeremy to- Pena. Oh, Jeremy Pena. What did I say? Carlos Pena? Carlos, yeah. Out of, you're out of you're, mixing, you're shift, mixing Correa and... Uh, as, <laughs> as soon as he heard the shift was banned, Carlos Pena... Carlos Pena came back, baby. <laughs> Pena won me a fantasy league back in the day. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, I like Stott. It is a, but it, it's, it's a very good lineup, which is not a bad thing, but he'll be at the bottom of it kind of no matter what. Like no matter what he does. So that's a, a little bit of a bummer. I would much rather like go with uh, a few other options at the bottom. Like, again, they're not as exciting, but like, you know, um, Josh Harrison available, like second, third outfield, wherever he's available everywhere. He's probably playing every day, second base for the white Sox. Uh, Carlos Hernandez leading off for the nationals. Again, these guys are nowhere near the ceiling of Bryson Stott at all, but I know what I'm getting from them probably. And I kind of know where they're going to bat. I know what they're going to give me. So I kind of rather go in that direction. Um, if I struck out entirely in middle infield, you got to do what you got to do. Uh, there's only so many guys available who are going to bat. Uh, but again, I don't know if I want to blow all of my fab on someone like this compared to some of the people we're going to talk to before, because Stott's going to have a cheering section and people are going to pay beyond what I want to. Um, I'd rather have like, I'd rather have Tony Kemp for like a buck or two, uh, than the pay for, you know, Stott for, for whatever he goes for. This is not me saying I don't believe in him. This is me just saying that, you know, he's a rookie on a team that does have other options, um, to go if he, if he's, if he struggles, which, you know, he probably will. Yeah. I, I like Stott a lot, but I don't know that I'd get super aggressive. I just don't know what the role is going to be early on. Um, yeah. Like they, it feels like they're gonna give Didi a chance. Uh, they still have Bomb, who's actually looked pretty good in spring. Um, hit a, hit a home run yesterday, I think, or uh, yesterday or the day before. Um, I'll be really interested though. If, like I've got a league in which I've got Willie Adamas, who's who is dealing with some sort of you know cramping issue, and so like I'm gonna I'm gonna a target stop there just in case. Um, you know, something, you know, is further wrong with, with Adamus, but, um, I think I would much rather become aggressive on a different shortstop. We're going to talk about here. There are a couple different shortstops we're going to talk about here in a minute. Uh, before we do that, let's talk about Randall Grichuk. Now, if you've drafted since the trade, Randall Grichuk's gone, but if you're in a 10 or 12 team league, um, that drafted before the trade to Colorado, there is a reasonable chance that Grichuk is still there. And he's actually available in the tout, in my tout league, which is a 15-team mixed auction. He didn't get drafted. Um, I came very close 
to, to, to taking him in the reserve rounds and I'm kicking myself not because I think you're going to have to pay 150 plus bucks in, in a thousand dollar fab league. Um, how aggressive would you get on round of reach up? I wouldn't spend $150. Um, why not? Okay. I'm gonna. I'm going to be bidding more than 150 bucks. I can promise you that. What are you expecting here? Because I mean, power doesn't necessarily get added in cores as much as people think it does. I mean, it, it does add some, but it's more of a BABIP situation where it adds to your batting average, which for Gruchek is, is will be pretty awesome. Um, is this a thing where you are hoping that you get like uh, almost Kyle Schwarber, like a 250, 35 home run performance, or are you looking for? I mean. Aloy Jimenez is projected for 275 with 30 home runs. Uh, I mean, it's just that, like, what are you hoping here um, from from Grichek is 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 the thing because well, most projection systems have him at between 25 and looks like 25 and 27 home runs. Yeah, um, with like a 260, right? Some chip and stolen bases. He's not going to steal very much, right? Um, it's just, but it's just like I'm all here the projection your team. systems have him for 130 games. I don't see him playing more than that. I think in Colorado with that team. Hold on, hold on, hold on. In, exactly. I think you're saying in the wrong tone. In Colorado, like with all the clowns. Yeah, I don't know what they're gonna yeah. do. Um, I don't think they trade for him in that contract and not play him full time. It's like Colorado. I, well, here it's the thing is like he could be anywhere between like Mike Yastrzemski and Kyle Schwarber. So it's like 150 bucks seems a much. You just got to be on board. And I'm on board. I think he's a top 45 outfielder. Can't do it. I think I'm, uh, I'm going to pull up my ranks right now and see where I put him. Okay. But um, I have Randall Grichuk. Oh, I guess I put him 54. He needs to be higher than that. But he's not top 45 because I, I can't put him above Robbie Grossman. It's Robbie Grossman steals. Um, top 50, though. He's top 50 for me. And when you're talking about a 15-team league, obviously in 10 and 12s, um, like there's a better there's better replacement. Maybe you don't need to get as aggressive. But uh, I think he's got to go for 150 in a 15 team league. Someone will pay that. I, I don't disagree uh, with that. I think it someone... will be me. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> uh, so yeah, someone will pay that. I, I, I'm, I'm not, I guess I'm not sold enough just cause I think I, I can find, he just doesn't seem like a play. He's not like an irreplaceable player. Um, I, I, but I, they're I, paying I, it. I mean, they're paying that contract. Like it's not like a nothing contract. They traded yeah. for the guy. Like I, I think he's gonna play 145 games as long as he's healthy. Um, and I think 30 yeah. plus homers is on the table easily for him. Uh, the Babbitt in Colorado always gets boosted up. Um, I, I think you could be looking at a guy that at the end of the day hits 30 plus homers with a 270 batting average. So you think he's a low Jimenez? I think he. I think he has that opportunity. 
No, I, I mean, if, Eloy, I'm not going to take. I think I think Eloy has 40 home run potential, so I'm not going to say. Uh, by the way, I'm the, I'm the, I'm not making like these numbers up. These are the bad X that I'm throwing out for everyone wondering. Wow. Hey, why is Matt saying these things? Um, I'm throwing these out because I I trust the bad X, and it just seemed like a good uh, a good thing to throw in there. Um, so <laughs> that that that's where my benchmark is. Uh, it's yeah, but yeah, if you if you put them there, I mean that projects them to like Eloy, JD Martinez, who I I agree, obviously have a much higher ceiling. But as far as now, now I'm like, oh my god, I need to bump him up a whole <laughs> lot. Like I, mm, I'm gonna be aggressive. Matt's not gonna be aggressive. Well, um, here here here's the thing. It depends. Again, I mentioned this earlier with Quan. If you lost, if you had Porto, and you had like. Riley green. And you're like, you just lost outfields. You need an outfielder. He's obviously the guy to get unless again, Tommy fam could be out there as well in Cincinnati. That's true. Uh, but more than likely fam was gone. Uh, people specking on him early anyway, but yeah, Randall Grichek would be the guy. The batting average is the most intriguing thing to me. Um, I don't think, I don't think the 30 to 40 kind of thing is, is necessarily there. I mean, he only plays half his games at cores and then you got the whole thing with being affected away and the whole thing with like being multiple games away before you, I don't know the boost I necessarily want to give him. Um, but I'm on board with what he could do. Uh, but I mean, I think, I think if I needed an outfielder, my cap would probably be like 75 bucks. I mean, and he's only a few easier to move from a 31 home run season. And then I Toronto. won't, and then I won't be getting him. <laughs> yeah. That's basically the bottom line is, um, I, I I'm, might, agreeing, I'm agreeing with pretty much everything you say, but I would probably not spend the money to acquire them regardless. That's fair. Okay. Um, because you know what this is too. It's kind of hard. I have so many teams and I just don't need them anywhere. <laughs> so I'm like thinking maybe if like, if remember, I had, couple- I just said that Bradley Zimmer was like my most drafted. Yes. Player, so we're so. talking from two different experiences of someone who needs mm-hmm. to, get an outfielder versus someone who just doesn't doesn't need and i one. drafted vidal brujan in a number of spots too so like yeah. you know and i'm not holding on to vidal brujan um so i'm i'm just moving in, in, in any redraft league i'm moving on so well here, here's um, the thing here, here's the thing before we go on here you like i mean you like you seem very very interested in Quan, right mm-hmm. you were in and we talked ourselves kind of into it more we expect his batting average to be pretty decent with power like maybe a 2020 why am i not putting 150 dollars yeah i mean why wouldn't you want him more (laughs) i mean obviously obviously three has the job kwan he has the job he has a track record um and i don't think i need to do that on kwan yeah um so i I don't mean i'm being 150 i mean maybe go above what you were original it just seems like i mean kwan will be my backup bid yeah and i'm in a league like out where I need that outfielder. Yep. Um, maybe I'm more aggressive on Quan than I would be in another league. Um, yeah, I think I'm not giving enough respect to Grichek. Um, yeah, I'm not, there's, there's, you're giving there's, disrespect. You know, you know what? It's, it's a, you have to be honest. The kind of player you are. Um, mm-hmm. I've been actually better at this this year. I underdraft power quite a bit. I love to draft um, even teams. A mm-hmm. uh, little, like I said, death by a thousand paper cuts. I like power. I like a little speed. I like, so if a player gets injured, they are easier to replace where I, I don't want to lose a Whit Merrifield yeah. and then be kind of screwed. I, I like drafting and I always end up chasing power. And that is probably why I naturally undervalue power. And then we're sitting here talking about Randall Grichek and he's kind of like the, the, uh, you know, kind of my, you know, 
you know, kind of like my kryptonite uh, as far as what I usually uh, undervalue. So I, I'll admit that and say that uh, anyone listening, I would defer probably more to what Justin has said so far because he is certainly more in line of what you'll need to do to acquire Randall Grichek in FAB. Absolutely. Uh, we've got in the in the chat, we have J-Hook saying, am I late to the Nick Martinez shares club support group? I don't think you need to be worried about that. Clevenger starting on the IL. Um, I think he, I think Martinez, that contract they gave him, he's in the rotation. So, yeah. And he's, he's not someone that's really, um, if they were going to move anyone to the bullpen, he's not exactly the best option to go. No, no. I say, I, yeah, I, I think he, and I also do think that there is probably another move coming too. So, but I think, I think Martinez is, is still in that rotation. Paddock may go to the bullpen or be traded. So, um, and like I said, Clevenger starting the year on the IL. Um, Let's see. Was there any other chat things that you throw out there? Nope. Um, dun, 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 dun. Hey, CJ Abrams looking like he could potentially make the opening day uh, roster in San Diego. How aggressive you get on CJ Abrams? If that news came right today. I can't. You can't. You can't now. Like if you're drafting, if I'm on the clock, like and I need it. But like, like in fab today. Yeah. Like, I, I, what are you I doing? It sucks because I, I mean, this is an. If he got the job, I would be amazingly aggressive. And now you got to guess because I highly doubt we're going to know today. Between him and Stott, I mean, it's a no-brainer. Abrams is like a special talent. I, it makes no sense for him to make the team. Again, the Padres and Preller, they do what they want, and it doesn't necessarily have to make sense. Uh, if I needed a shortstop, um, if, I, if I had an injury in my middle infield and you need a spark, yeah, I would go high. Um, it's it's real risky, though. Uh, I think I'd go 50, 60 bucks long. I was about to say 65 <laughs> um, yeah. is, is kind of like the number where I kind of want to be in like, you know, above, like, a, you know, a, a few bucks above that $50 mark to make sure I kind of, I kind of was like, um, especially you know, if, if you're an NFBC yeah. and after this fab run, anybody who's a rookie cannot be picked up unless they were drafted or, uh, or they make the opening day roster. Right. So you can't pick up anybody until they're in the majors. This is why Fabapaloozas happen, right? Because people have to just wait. You can either pay fifty or sixty bucks on the gamble right now, or pay two to three hundred when he comes up. So it's either waste fifty bucks now, or have to really spend a lot later. Yeah, which makes it very difficult. Uh, I. Yeah, I would be in. I uh, I think if I if I was in the opportunity if I needed to get him, I'd be bidding anyway. I I use one of those automatic keep him honest bid guys. If I don't mm-hmm. need a shortstop, I could care less. I'm bidding on him anyway because I know I was listening to um I heard this the other day on an um MLB moving averages cork stats. He had Mike Modica on, mm-hmm. uh, and I think Modica Modica said he's the kind of player where you want him on your team just to see what happens. Absolutely because mm-hmm. um. He's he's someone that could just explode and be like a monster out of the gate. Yeah. I mean, this is as much as like everyone's really excited about Bobby Witt. It's because we've seen him kind of explode over a short term and he's been on the field. Abrams has been injured. You haven't seen it, but Witt's story could very easily be Abrams story right now. If things swing a certain way that as far as talent level goes, it's close. So, uh, yeah, Abrams is someone that uh, if it just the, you just need to gamble, if you have a need, you need to you need to go hard, but you should be bidding regardless. The cautionary tale, though, is Bobby Witt because yes. people felt the same way about this 
last year on Bobby Witt, and yeah. then we never saw him. Yeah. Well, that's what I was saying. I, I, I throw keep them honest bids no matter what. Mm-hmm. If you have a need where you have you have you have a missing superstar and you have something, you know, Fernando Tatis and you lost him and you need yeah, this. If you period, lost Tatis, you have yeah. to get aggressive. Yeah, think. you need to go after some star potential. I mean, filling in with like the mediocres of the world isn't gonna get you there, especially in overall. I mean, you need you know you need to you need to go for gold here. So yeah, Abrams is someone where if yeah, if you need a boost, you, you need to be in here. Um, I think sixty five. I, I mean, he, he I say, you. you do, I do because why do need it. yeah. And why, it. why go get Mania if you're not really making a push to, I think Preller, I think Preller the, and the Padres have to make the postseason. Otherwise Preller's fired. Yeah. Especially after last year's meltdown. Yeah. Right? I, um, I think they have to. And so like, I think he's going to get aggressive with these guys. Yeah. Cause right now, I mean, you're, you're back. You're, you're uh, the bench in San Diego as I'm staring at is Matt Beatty. And uh, no more Mazzara. It'd look a lot better if the bench had like Hassan Kim on it. Uh, oh, yeah, you know, or, or <laughs> Profar. Yeah, I mean, yeah, Profar. I mean, they, they, have- they need to go get Brian Reynolds or an outfielder. And um, uh, <laughs> there you go. Preller isn't insane enough. Uh, is is insane enough for him to make it? I I think he is. I think I think they should go for it. Um, yeah, no, I would. And it, I, I said 65. It's pro- you know, it's funny with people will be laughing. If there'll be probably someone in your league that needs to go for it, they'll probably like blast past that. Um, where if you were a Tatis person, oh, you mentioned, I think you said 50 or 60. I said 65. Is that kind of where you're just comfortable going um, today? Not knowing if he's on the roster. Yeah. Today, not knowing like if, if we got news before Fab ran later today, I think you put him up in that $150, $200 conversation. I was going to say, if he, if he made the roster, he'd be, I think 200 bucks would be the, uh, the area you'd have to be living near. Yeah, I, I agree. But I think, I think you might be able to get away with it. 50, 60. I mean, if, if you're really in dire need, if you drafted to tease and this is your first fab run, I don't have a problem saying I'm just going to take the gamble and put a hundred bucks on him. Yeah. Like, yeah, no, I, I agree. Because I'm there's not, not in that many... situation anywhere. Um, thankfully, I think the only place I have Tatis was my first DC of the season. Um, so, uh, but if I was in that situation, yeah, I would probably, I would, I, I probably would put triple digits on it. Yeah, I agree. I agree. It's it, it's uh, it's funny. I s- spent the first half of the show talking about how I don't like to invest in rookies, but. <laughs> there's certain rookies where if you can just get them and add them to your team, even though fab is, you know, it's, it's, it's currency. It's still know, a cause. Yeah. I, I much, I think and this is weird because you probably, you, you could have gotten him in the 29th to 30th round yeah. in your draft. Um, and just, and I think that should have been the move. Like Scott Jensen did that in our main event. He took Abrams in the 29th round. Um, and it makes a lot of sense because, he is going to know by opening day whether or not he's on the team and he can drop him if he's not. Um, so, uh, but like now you're having to spend, you know, a 20th or a 10th of your fab to go get him. I just, you know, there's, there are very few guys that are going to come up and make huge differences uh, and potentially from day one. I, I get a great, I have been, less aggressive on these guys in the past the guys who were up day one um or seem to be like potential difference makers 
and it's been a mistake. The times in which I have been more aggressive, you know, Carlos Rodon last year who was coming off of a great spring. Me and Shelly got aggressive on him in, in the first fab run and got him. Like, he carried our pitching staff. Um, I think you have to be aggressive in these early fab runs because you get to have these guys on your team for so long. And you look at a team like San Diego too. look at their lineup with how, with the loss of Tatis, it's not as impressive. Uh, Grisham, who they've moved up and down the lineup. They have Machado batting second, not ideal for him to actually be there. Cronenworth third, Voight fourth, who's an injury risk. Then Eric Hosmer, who they just love to get rid of. Abrams not only could make the team and make some noise, but move his way to the very top of this lineup. Yeah very quickly maybe immediately uh Mm -hmm. you don't know what their plans could be here uh but uh, he's certainly talented enough to be in the top third of that lineup uh, very quick yeah absolutely um jorge mateo is having a huge spring and i've been a jorge mateo guy for a very very long time and i feel myself being sucked in the old you know fantasy focus oh six oh no the fantasy kryptonite I don't. I haven't drafted him in many places. I think I've got a few shares. But are you being drawn in on Jorge Mateo? Oh yeah. I again another guy. I'm proud to say I have everywhere. Well, proud to oh, say. I I'm wish. I'm totally proud. I I'm mean, I, I saw this and I'm watching the guys they're bringing in. I'm seeing Rafnet Odor. Um, you know, I mean, like I'm looking at these guys, like R- Ramon Urias. I mean, who's stealing this guy's job? No one. And that's been the case. Took roster resource a long time to, to fix it, <laughs> uh, which thank you for delaying the uh, inevitable for me. Uh, for anyone, uh, you know, this is another reason you follow Mike Curland. He, he, travel, he, he tracks all the spring training lineups. Mateo's been in every lineup with the regulars. I mean, he is in the lineup. He's their shortstop. That's just the way it is right now. And you saw how he performed last year, which I'd say for all the ups and downs he had his career, I'm pretty happy with how he did 247 with a 293 on base is an ideal, but this is fantasy baseball where most of the time on base percentage doesn't matter. He stole 10 bases and 209 plate appearances and they moved that left field back, which sucks for everyone, but not for him. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's probably going to help him get a few extra bases, triple doubles, triples help his batting average. Uh, I, I I like it. I think Mateo is uh, especially for someone if uh, if you happen to strike out on steals or you just want a guy at the end to speculate on. Uh, Mateo is great because I think uh, yeah I think he has an everyday job. It looks like for sure in a major league lineup, regardless of how bad it is, and he's about as fast as they come. He may be as fast as they come. <laughs> I think he is as about as fast as they come. Um, I mean, Billy Hamilton still technically in the league. I don't know if you saw that Billy Hamilton catch uh, the other night. That was uh, insane. Oh, uh, yeah. But uh, I don't think Billy Hamilton makes the majors, uh, at least not at the gate for Seattle. So, yeah, I think Mateo is probably the fastest guy in Major League Baseball right now. He could legit steal 50 bases. Yes. And um, you are potentially picking a guy like that up off a of fab. I, I think if you need some bases, you get aggressive on Mateo. Hey, and, um, and, and uh, death, I talked about death by a thousand paper cuts. He's not hitting zero home runs over a full season. He could hit 10. I mean, he, he could. He hit two in spring training. Yeah, I mean, he's not powerless, uh, so he's not one of those guys. He's not Billy Hamilton. He will mm-hmm. give you some home runs, and those 10 will help you. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, yeah, I like Mateo quite a bit. He kind of takes over the Vidal Brujan role in terms of, like, my fantasy ranks, like, now that Brujan's been sent down. Because like, I think he could be – what we thought Bruhan might be, um, which is a guy who could steal 
30 plus bases and, and chip in enough power uh, to, to not be a zero. So yep. why draft Miles Straw when you can get uh, Jorge Mateo 200 picks later? Hilariously enough, those are always bad and people make yeah, they're awful. Reasons. They're awful. Yeah. But I don't think that statement is necessarily that far off. <laughs> Counting stats wise, mm-hmm. there's a big difference. And that's why Miles Straw is going to lead off mm-hmm. or not a bad lineup. As, as, as much as people make fun of the Guardians for some things, I mean, they got some good players, some good hitters mm-hmm. in that lineup. But if you just are hurting for stolen bases, um, you know, it's, He's got to be one of the best late round options I've I've seen in mm-hmm. some seasons because usually you're drafting some real zeros at the back, you know. Um, the Bradley Zimmers of the world. Yeah, I mean you don't got to go after Keon Broxton here. Um, you know, you, you're <laughs> no offense on the drive by on Ke- Keon Broxton, but uh, Jorge Mateo I think can offer you a bit more. I saw um, a tweet yesterday uh, from one of the Giants beat writers who, who's tweeting out like one of the. I think it was Dominican League game, a lineup, um, because Pablo Sandoval was in it. I did. That was a monster lineup. You see Addison you Russell. What? You know what? I think I actually saved it in my phone to show my dad. So I think oh I might have it here. Yeah. Addison I have it Russell, here. Keon Broxton. Here we go. It's, a, it's Addison Russell leading off. Josh Reddick, uh, Francisco Paguero, Chris Carter, that Chris Carter. Yeah, my, my uh, Chris uh, Carter. I loved him. Pablo Sandoval, Keon Broxton, and then Juan Perez, Rodolfo, Amador, Logan Moore, and uh, and Eduardo Vera. But yeah, that's a, that's a lot of people and the, the a lot of familiar names. Yeah, so I, I can't remember. What is it? A Dominican league? I can't. Remember. I don't know. Yeah, yeah, I, I think so. Uh, that's crazy. Like that just. Um, I just saw the, those names and I was like, oh man, I think I drafted all of those guys at one point. They're probably, probably all in the same like twelfth place team. Um, at one point, so for me, uh, yeah, that's uh, I love Keon Broxton. I love Chris Carter. Remember the whole if you pair Chris Carter with Ben Revere, <laughs> you, you get a 30 30 guy. If everyone, we're not talking about Chris Carter with a K, this is all good old Chris Carter with a C. Yes, yeah. yes, this was uh, yeah, Chris, Chris Carter, the the A's. Well, I guess, um. I guess the other Chris Carter was on the A's too, but yeah, uh, Chris Chris with a C that um, hit like forty home runs and then disappeared out of baseball. Uh, hey, all right, which, did you see uh, Singleton uh, hit a home run? John Singleton, spring training. Hey man, <laughs> that that's John Singleton is the cautionary story of like why these guys take these team friendly deals, right? Yeah, when, when they're in arbitration because. People were so upset, like, oh, I can't believe John Singleton's not betting on himself taking the deal. Well, he, he made out all right not betting on himself and, and just taking the $20 million or $30 million or whatever he was yep. he was offered. So, um, Jeremy Pena, the aforementioned, he is the starter in Houston, it appears. Um, and I think he's a little bit better than people kind of give him credit for. So what are your thoughts? Like, How aggressive would you get on Jeremy Pena? I might have been more aggressive um, had it not been for the last couple of days. It looked like there was all those rumors that he's going to be batting near leadoff. Now it looks like he's probably buried towards the 8-9, which on the Astros isn't a horrible thing. It just takes away a few plate mm-hmm. appearances. But there's no weak spots kind of to be had there. Um, yeah, I think he's better than people give him credit for. The only problem is I don't know how to project him. Mm-hmm. He'll be in the lineup every day. They don't have anyone else really. Uh, I mean, they have like Nico Goodrum, but Pena is their guy. They want to see what they have. They're going to give him any opportunity. And 
Um, his defense will keep him in the lineup regardless. He's like fantastic. I mean, he's a defense first, but he's not without. Mm-hmm. I mean, if, if anyone ever talks about him, you hear that he's a glove first shortstop, and then people close their ears off because they think you're about to get, tell them about Andreonton Simmons. But I mean, this guy's last few levels of it: two ninety three, three seventeen, three forty eight, and then two eighty seven in Triple A. Um, with a 26% strikeout rate, which isn't bad. The walk rate has gone down significantly. So yeah, there'll be certain struggles. I would say his batting average is probably in his rookie year going to be in the, like the sub 250 area, but he's got yeah, power yeah. he's got speed and he's going super late. I would like him more. I think I'm more interested in Pena than I am Stott. Um, Just because the playing time is, is yeah, it, yeah, it looks like they are committed. I think at this point they have to be committed to keeping him in there. Um, and the glove will certainly uh, go a long way in doing that too. So there's more of a reason to believe he'll ride out any rough patches. He doesn't have anyone breathing down his neck for playing time. So yeah, I think uh, if I needed someone that he would be, he would be my guy. I think over a full season, you could get, could get 20 and 10 out of him. Uh, like mm-hmm. 240 with again, it, you know, if you really need a middle infielder, that's pretty good. <laughs> yeah. I, I was thinking like 17, 17, 10 with yeah, 240. Yeah. Um, see, which seems fair, and uh, I think in a I think in a fifteen team league, I lean more towards Pena, and in a ten or twelve team league, I lean more towards Stocks. I think the upside may be a little bit higher, um, but the there is a, there's downside that Stock isn't even in the majors. So yeah, I agree um, with what you're saying. So but yeah, I, the fifteen team leagues, you just you gotta you, you can't somebody's gonna accumulate. Yeah, it's 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 much tougher if you strike out and he yeah. gets sent down or something. And yeah, that's the chances of that for Pena look a lot lower. Absolutely. Uh, Zach Eflin looks really good in spring time to start pumping up that hype train. He's available in some leagues. I don't know about pumping it up too much. It's still, <laughs> I mean, it's still a crappy ballpark, not a great division to be in. It's fine. I mean, five and two thirds, um, four strikeouts did two walks, but overall, I mean, he's, he's looked sharp. He has, uh, so uh, at where he's going in drafts, certainly uh, he, I, I, you, you want to look and see that he's looking sharp, but uh, and I, I don't know if I can draw any conclusions. <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll defer to his track record. Um, he's uh, so I, I, I don't think I'll move him any further up than I do. So he's below it. Brash um, and below oh, yeah. Detmers easily. Yeah, 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 yeah. easily. Yeah, I, I think I tend to agree there. I think he's closer to like you know Michael Pineda. Yeah, I hate Michael Pineda. So that's a bad. Hey, 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 I don't love Michael Pineda. No one does. Well, you know, Saris May, he's always at the top of that, uh, his command plus. Uh, but, uh, yeah. which I never understand. Dude gives up so many home runs. Like, it just. But okay. now he's in Comerica. Maybe some of those home runs will die. <laughs> so it's Wasn't not. Wasn't he like- in, like, good parts before? Like, feel like he's been a good park before Pineda. He's not. He is not going to win any awards for most impressive fantasy player. Um, but I, I think he's sneaky there in Detroit. I think he is. I've had, I have an old history with Pineda because so one of the, one of my first ever times doing starting pitcher ranks on fan graphs, I messed up my Google sheet and the numbers were like, got out of whack, uh, when I posted it. And so like when everybody had Michael Pineda as like a top 60 starting pitcher, I accidentally posted something where I had him ranked like 150th. <laughs> and Michael Pineda liked it. No, the <laughs> first comment, <laughs> the first comment, and and for those who don't know, like the 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 comment section on FanGraphs articles are historically brutal. 
especially when you make a mistake like that. Um, hey, hold on real quick. Just, uh, this is a side note on that. Isn't there someone that was like silenced or banned from the, the, the chat, but they still comment anyway, even though their comments aren't posted. Someone was telling me about oh, someone in the fan. It's, it's potential. I mean, they're oh, definitely, like, there are definitely people who have been banned from, from fan graphs, uh, the <laughs> comment sections um, over the years. Um, I don't know about any particular person. Um, we're talking about Micah Pineda, everyone. I'm sorry. I took us off track. So you know what the hell we're talking about. So, yeah. So I ranked Pineda, I think it was like 154 or something like that. Um, and, uh, you know, when everybody had him as a top 60 pitcher, I think, um, and the first comment on the fan graphs, uh, uh, post was, did Michael Pineda punch Justin's dog? Like I don't think, and it, it ended up being my, um, uh, it ended up, and of course, like the first, uh, the first comment or first reply to it was like, well, someone would have hit it out of the park if they did like, you know, <laughs> so, uh, it, it was the banner background photo on my Twitter, that comment, Fantastic. Uh, it had like eight, it had like eighty thumbs up things. Uh, it was it was great. So I've always had a thing against Michael Pineda because he punched my dog. Um, but um, I mean, who the heck were we talking about? We were talking about Zach Eflin. Well, Zach let's Eflin. move on. Let's move on. Uh, Spencer Howard makes the rotation in Texas. This is a guy I've uh, targeted in a number of league, like DCs yeah. uh, cheaply. Um, is he a guy you're willing to kind of take a shot on? Would you? Take a shot on him over F. I'm assuming you won't take him over Detmers or Brash. Yeah, behind Detmers and Brash. Uh, but I, yeah, I would take him over Eflin and Nada and those types because, uh, again, you don't want to read anything to a small sample size. But in, for guys like Spencer Howard, it sure is important. He has pitched five innings, six strikeouts, zero walks. Um, yeah. He has looked good. Again, making the rotation, uh, former top prospect. So you don't know what's here. If there was something that clicked, you could have a really special player here. So he's someone, if you're in a fab league, you definitely want to um, put someone like him on your team instead of those like kind of boring back end guys. Uh, because, you know, I, if, if I had to bet, I'd say this kind of blows up in your face, uh, you know, but uh, you, you got to see what you have here because he is someone where if um, he went unclaimed for some reason, let's just say he was unclaimed, he would be someone that after like one solid start, he like five innings, one earn seven strikeouts he, the, the bidding would be over the over the moon for mm -hmm. him so i think you have an opportunity here even with a strong spring to acquire him for really cheap um for the standards of what it could cost so yeah i think he's someone that uh if you have an available spot um you're someone you don't fall in love with uh, i think everyone should maybe try to throw a little bit on on howard because yeah. you don't you don't get people with this kind of upside perceived upside available for this cheap with a reason to take them <laughs> Yeah, I I, uh, I agree with you. I actually honestly might even put him above Brash and Devers. I like Spencer Howard a lot. Um, well, the lucky for you that you're talking rankings wise, but spending wise, luckily you won't have to spend that much. Yeah, I won't have to spend that much. But I'm fine. But yeah, I still have a draft. Um, I have to double check my ranks. Uh, but I have, I mean, I haven't updated him since. I didn't think he was going to be in the rotation. Honestly, uh, I thought he was going to get set down to AAA or, or be the long man in Texas, but. I'm loving the fact that Texas is committing to him in the rotation. Uh, this was a guy that Doug Thorburn, for those who don't know Doug Thorburn, Doug Thorburn, uh, you know, been in our industry for a while. He is a pitching mechanics guru, works for the National Pitching Institute. Um, 
a couple of years ago when uh, when Howard was still on the Phillies before his uh, before his call up, he his bold prediction during Potapalooza that year was that Spencer Howard would, was going to be the most valuable pitcher in fantasy on the Phillies. This is when they had Zach Wheeler and Aaron Nola. Well, that's fantastic. I well, um, you're you're talking about someone who knows pitching, and I'll say, yes. I mean, as bad as Spencer Howard has been. For everyone listening, uh, in AAA, his last three stints through there, his strikeout rate has been at thirty over thirty mm-hmm. percent each stop. It's just his little swings to the major leagues; he gets crushed. There is something that he's overthrowing, or it's just something. It's just something there that he is changing what he it's is also doing. Really small samples, and yeah, the Rangers didn't let him go deep into games either. Um. My biggest concern with Howard is the Rangers don't let him go deep in the games. Yeah. That they well, treat mean, him a lot like Dame, Dame Dunning last year. I mean, you look at what he has done in the major leagues. Um, I mean, he's barrel, he doesn't get teed up. His barrel rate's like below 8% both times 5.1, 7.5. You see the strike. I mean, you see the potential of the strikeout rate. Even in the majors when he's getting killed, he's not getting clobbered as far as the barrel rate goes. It just looks like there is plenty here where, you know, he could. Turn, you know, turning a turnaround in a hurry. So yeah, I'm very interested in Howard, especially at a discount. So he's someone I'll probably land quite a bit in, in leagues. I don't have him in and I've been trying to add him in an MAQ uh, main event qualifier with uh, John Legazer right now. We're just doing a few, you know, maybe we'll win like a main event spot next year. And we just went YOLO completely on our last draft here. We're drafting everyone we would never touch. Just full upside. We took Julio Rodriguez in the ninth round. Um, Whoa. Just, it's MEQ. And me and him are messing around. And this is like the day that they suggested that his call up was happening, like on the radio. Like I think, he, I, I think he's making the team. But hey, ninth round is a steal the second that, I mean, everyone else is getting him in like, you know, whatever, the 16th, 17th round earlier in draft season but uh anyway i'm trying to convince him to take spencer howard with the last pick i'm like yeah oh, why not you gotta do it and he he's i think he texted me like are you okay did you get hit on the head and i'm trying to convince him but, i yeah. like spencer howard a lot the mechanics are good like you said the strikeout rate was been there in the minor leagues I, the only question for me is how how deep do they look do the rangers let him go into games that offense got better in texas is not good uh, that park is still a good place to pitch. I'm I'm very interested. I think he's one of those guys you're going to know pretty quickly. You know, if he only goes three innings his first start, like then you go, okay, this is not going to be worth it. I drop him, but um, I think he's I think he's got really special talent in that arm, and I think he's one of those like traditional post hype sleepers that we always are like talking about that end up, you know, people are like, Oh, Joe Adele is a post type sleeper. Kalenic is post. These guys are still going as like top 150 pits. Like Spencer Howard is a legit post hype sleeper that I'm going to take gambles on. Um, and yeah, I, I mean, I'm definitely on board. Uh, so yeah, Spencer Howard looks, he, he definitely looks like he could be, he could be a steal. Um, yeah, I don't really have much more to add there. It's just, uh, yeah, we'll we'll see what happens. You know what? You know what I was thinking when you were talking is, uh, I think this is unfair to compare him to him in terms of talent. But I feel this is the way the season may go, and I fear it probably will go, even if I believe in him. Austin Gomber, <laughs> he turned into a verb kind of last year, getting gombered. Um, mm-hmm. He had some really good starts last year, 
And then he had some that were just, just horrible and like ruined your week. I think we may get a little of that from Howard, Maybe. but you, I think you gotta be patient. <laughs> Maybe don't start him out of the gate. I don't know. I mean, handling him may be difficult, but I think giving the track record, seeing what we've seen so far, if he gets roughed up out of the gate, even if you have him, don't be quick to pull the rip cord um, it early in the year. I think, you know, maybe put him to the bench. If you have a short bench and you have no choice, you have no choice, but um, try to ride it out, put him on your bench. If you have to um, see what happens, because I would try to give him a little bit of time. Look for, look for reasons uh, to think there's growth there. Look for positive uh, because this is someone where you want to acquire him on the cheap and hope he turns into a good year. Don't let like a rough first start, do it, you know, and um, just you give it a little bit of time, which I know it's hard to do in some leagues, but uh, this is a thing where I think you may get, you know, a good start, a rough start um, in the beginning here, because, you know, the chances of him just turning in a clean slate all the way through are unlikely, even if you believe in him. So it's just something where people get a little too aggressive early. And I know you have to be as far as people you're picking up, but sometimes people are way too aggressive with people they are dropping. Um so it's just a you know, cautionary tale that kind of spreads to a lot of players, but you know, we're talking about Spencer Howard in particular. Yeah. Um, all right, let's finish out with David Robertson. He's been kind of a, uh, no one, I don't think in Chicago beat writers or otherwise have said he's going to close, but there's been a lot of talk on Twitter that like, Hey, maybe he's the guy. He could be the guy. He could be the guy. Um, do you think he could be the guy and would you take some dart throws in fab uh, today? Well, there's three guys in Chicago that could close Rowan wick. Who's not yep. a closer. Um, who is the favorite heavy favorite? Not the, not a closer. Michael Givens, not great has closed. And then David Robertson, who has actually been a very good closer, um, but he's coming off an injury and who knows what's coming off a few injuries. Yeah, 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 exactly. Um, I mean, his last time, I mean, the, the Phillies gave him a lot of money to be their closer, though his last time through kind of the free agency process the, uh, seriously. And they did give him three and a half million, making it seem like they wanted to make sure they secured him here. They did lost Co- Cody Hauer or Hauer. Hauer. I don't know. Hauer. Hauer. Uh, so Hauer. <laughs> I think all of them are worth speculating on. I do have shares, you know, where I've, I've, I've drafted David Robertson in draft champions leagues. I've, I think Michael Givens is a good, good enough, good enough person to take to. So yeah, if you're speculating on saves, uh, he is a, just another guy, uh, in my opinion, I, I think maybe depending on who's available, maybe, um, you know, Alex Colme wasn't drafted in a 12 team league probably should have. Cause I mean, he was going to be a closer probably no matter what, but I can't imagine too many people are available that are, um, uh, an obvious pickup. Um, in mm-hmm. fab for for closers, right? I mean, it, I don't know how many. I, people- yeah, I don't think so. I mean, Colomay was. I mean, he signed like the day we did Barf, but even then, he was being drafted in some leagues because people thought he was gonna yeah. land somewhere as a closer. Um, I mean, I think right now, like people are just taking the dart throws on the San Diego guys and the Seattle guys and the Cincinnati guys. Like here, like for an example, I guess maybe this is the best example of a guy who's available that I think should be like Chris Stratton. Um, mm-hmm. he, Not available in my leagues. Cause he's on a lot yeah, of my teams. Yeah. Sharp people kind of knew that, it, you know, it wasn't necessarily Bender's job, uh, but Stratton is the guy with an opportunity for real saves. That is probably the most likely to be available in, in most waivers. Um, I would rather have him, 
than than any of these guys, you know, uh, on the Cubs. Uh, but yeah, other than that, every other option. I mean, I'd rather have Art Warren um, on the yeah. Reds, and he's not named the closer. I'd rather have him than any of the Cubs options. So yeah, I think these guys are worth worth taking a stab at. But anything, it's a buffet. Just pick up whatever looks good to you. I I I can't uh, I can't really order these in any kind of confident way. As far as the the Cubs, I have these guys, I don't know, 33% each chance of being the closer uh, by by June. I'd say Rowan Wick has got to be the top option if you have your pick of the three. But I, I can't imagine there's much daylight between them. I feel like David Ross is being kind of a MLB player and a catcher. He's probably going to want to have his guy. Yeah, I don't know who his guy is going to be, but I feel like whoever emerges is probably going to get the majority of the save opportunities. Like I just oh, don't I agree. Yeah, old school. Like, yeah, you want yeah. your, you want he your, seven, like you want your nine, eight, seven guy. Yeah. Like I feel like he's one of those guys that's gonna, you know, let the guy run with it. Robertson seems like the kind of guy he would go. With. I, I don't, this is all speculation. Well, thing with Robertson me, is like, he's gotta be healthy. And he, if he's healthy and he looks good, I think it's him. Except mm-hmm. I, I think that's the big thing is like, I don't, I don't necessarily think that's, that's, I don't, I don't, I wouldn't bet on that happening. And the same, I mean, the same thing could be said for Wick, right? Like, yes. is he healthy? Is he good? I mean, we know that Givens is probably healthy. The question is, he's good. Um, it's going to end well, up I, mean, being I, like, I have the most shares of Robertson, but that more had to do with him being by far the least the expensive. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, if I, if I, I think yeah, I'd I probably have Givens the most, um, but I, who knows? Like I, I, I don't mind throwing a couple bucks, you know, maybe ten or eleven bucks on Robertson, and and then just hoping. Hey, if know. he if he sat down and uh, David Ross sat down, he said, "I just want a healthy guy with closer experience." It's Michael Givens, <laughs> you know. That's so that that's, that's if you add up all the variables, he's the guy who probably makes the most sense. If he wants to go with the guy who's already on the team, give the guy you know the the, the you know the, the the guy with tenure on the Cubs a shot. That's Rowan Wick, the guy with the most upsides, David Robertson. I can make a case for any of them. Um, and the so, hard part is they've all been effective in middle relief. Yes, like so, it's not like there's one guy you can go well. He's not an eighth inning guy. Like they've all been eighth inning guys, mm-hmm. um, you know, and they all have some experience as a ninth inning guy. You know, Wick less than others, but he's the incumbent. So I don't know. I this is know. funny. As like I said, I have Rob Robertson. I don't like chasing mediocre closers and drafts. I have like I, I put this out there. I mean, I actually put out a tweet today. I, I love cheat. I I, have, I roster so many middle relievers. I Lewisaga, Lugo. Uh, Brett Suter, um, Colin McHugh, like my teams are just full of these guys because the way like bullpens are being handled uh, with more and more people getting involved for saves, the way innings are being handled for starters with less and then involving middle relievers more. You saw guys like in the Yankees bullpen that racked up almost like 10 saves, 10 wins. Um, and, you know, that's how Suter had what, 12 wins last year. Yusmer yeah. Petit had like 12 wins. Um so- yeah, I, I like mopping these guys up. They get plenty of innings. They give you some strikeouts. They lower your ratios. For those uh, of I, you, I like them in. yeah, for those of you who um, are looking to maybe try to steal some cheap wins in this like short three game sample, you know, you know, two to three game sample, or not, yeah, three, three to four game sample, depending on what team. Um, 
those those middle relievers, those long relievers, you know, guys are going to go two, three innings, are going to be sneaky. It's hard to predict who's yeah. going to be the you know the one to go after necessarily. Um, but you know, look 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 at the look at the teams who've got really good matchups in this you know first series, and then look at their long reliever guy, you know, whoever that is. Um, you know, I, I know, I think Philadelphia is playing Oakland. Like, yep. look at, I don't even know who the Philadelphia long reliever is, but look for that guy. Um, and maybe just, you know, put a, put a dollar on him. Like those are the kind of guys that I don't mind throwing a dollar on, especially if you've got, you know, I'm trying to think of Zach Wheeler's your ace, right? Zach Wheeler is not going to make a start the first time through is I think his first start is going to be the 12th. Um, so maybe instead of putting Zach Wheeler in your lineup for this first week because he's not going to have a start, you throw in a Brett Suter or um, uh, the, the Josh Tomlin of the day, whatever. Like, I don't even know where Tomlin's pitching now. I won a lot of uh, I won a lot of draft and holds last year, including Tao doing this. Mm-hmm. I would pick I would pick my um, favorite starters that I wanted, and I would just shy away from the ones that I like. I hated their their matchups. I wouldn't even try, even if I was chasing wins. I would throw in a couple of those middle relievers who I stocked up going with this strategy. And usually when you start a bunch of guys and at the end, you're starting a couple of fringe, you usually will miss out on a win you were hoping to get. And you usually end up starting someone you wish you didn't start. So if you add up two solid middle relievers that are going to be good, you end up with maybe like in a week, you could end up with upwards of eight innings um, with some nice strikeouts, maybe a win, maybe a save it. And then for me, it kind of worked out in the long run uh, rather than try to work this way through because you don't really have to worry about matchups as much. It's just like you kind of put them in there, they get in there. And um, it's an interesting thing. It worked for me. And I think for the way Major League Baseball is going with the way they deploy pitching, I think it'll be more and more popular to do. Yeah. In draft and old, I especially like to, like, I think a lot of times in like the, you know, after round 40 and a 50 round draft and old, people are like, oh, I'm going to take the, you know, the, the Ronzi Contreras of the world, right? You know, this, you know, the Max Myers of the world. Guys who aren't going to be up, we don't know when they're going to be up, but have like huge upside. I actually prefer to go after these kind of bulk middle relievers. Yes. Um, because I know they're going to be pitching and they often offer really underrated value. You know, they may only like profit five bucks, but you paid a dollar for them. So like that's four dollars worth profit. You get a few of those guys added on to your guys who make you ten bucks, and you've got a winning league. Yeah, absolutely. I I I I love going that route. Mm-hmm. Hey, hey, last year there was a there was a pitcher on the Yankees that went nine and four with a two one seven ERA, uh, and uh, how many saves did he get? He ended up with five saves, nine and four with five saves. Jonathan Lewisick. He's yeah. so much better than so many pitchers people wheeled out there. If you just had him in your lineup the entire season. Yep. I agree. Uh, Matt, thanks so much for joining. People seem to like us. Paulie uh, said you guys are the dynamic duo. I like the positive energetic vibe. Very enchanting back and forth banter. Well, it's, it's easy to work with your buddy. And Matt is one of my buddies in the industry who's willing to come in and fill in for Jason on short notice, literally like less than an hour before. I just threw out a DM to a few guys who I saw tweeting <laughs> and Matt was the guy's first one to step up and say, Hey, I'm in. Uh, thank you so much for joining me. Remind everybody where you can reach on social media and then plug your work. Thank you for the kind words, everyone. It's talking baseball with Justin. It's like, I do this like 
we just, I just do this for like free, like just yeah. sitting here without, you know, we just, Hey, you want to talk about baseball? Sure. Baseball. We sat here talking for a half hour before the show started. Mm-hmm. Uh, everyone follow me on Twitter. If you want M a T T W I seven, seven I a M S. Uh, again, I said, my DMS are always open. If you have any questions, uh, of the work I do with the athletic, I like throwing a lot of advanced metrics out there. I love talking about them. If you have any questions about anything like that, um, yeah, reach out to me. I love talking baseball and I love explaining things to you and we can talk through your team and everything like that. Uh, make sure to read my work over at the athletic and subscribe to the turn Two podcast, wherever you listen to podcasts. There you go. Uh, you can reach me on Twitter at Justin Mason FWFB, uh, writing daily at fan grounds. Uh, obviously, I'm here on the sleeper on the bus. Uh, I'm also on the TGFBI podcast and the Friends of Fancy Benefits podcast. And I think that's it. I don't, I'm sure I'm doing other stuff, but I I, I never remember. Um, oh, yeah, you can you can subscribe to the Super and Bus Patreon. really helps us out uh, where we've got our live ranks for those of you still drafting. Uh, and we will probably do at least monthly updates of in-season drafts uh, or for in-season ranks. Um, and we're also doing watch parties. Uh, I think weekly we're going to do watch party. We're going to start doing, I think, monthly either Zoom chat or hangout uh, with some of the Patreons. So definitely go uh, subscribe over there. Uh, link is in the show notes. You can find on Fangraphs or whatever podcast uh, player you're listening to. Uh, that's going to wrap us up for Matt and me. Thank you for listening. Have a fantastic baseball season. <laughs>